0: All right. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Uh, Welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. I'm Corey Olson, the Tolkien Professor, uh, with you as always. Delighted to be back after uh, a week off here. It's been two weeks uh, since we've had class Tuesdays, in which class doesn't happen are kind of weird I have to admit last Tuesday I'm sitting there you know in like this guest house with my in-laws and my in-laws in-laws uh sitting in a corner and being like I'm not teaching class this is so weird um anyway uh so uh uh, welcome glad to be back hope everybody who had holidays had good holidays uh and that uh, uh we're all back and ready to go tonight is a big night because we're getting not only to the next poem, which is always fun, but we are getting to the troll song, which means that tonight it's time for the troll song sing along. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So um, so we're going to do that. Uh, In just a minute, two really quick announcements. One thing I I wanted to share uh, uh, really quickly, just a a kind of a cool thing. So you'll remember that uh, through last month we were doing our uh, fundraising campaign, and you may remember that I had said that our goal for our annual fund for the year was sixty thousand dollars to support Signum University and keep it running, and that we you know we ended the campaign, we ended the webathon like. 98% 98% of the way to our goal, which is awesome by the way. I mean, to be 98% of the way to our annual fund goal, uh, you know, both in gifts and pledges by the you know middle of October is spectacular. Our, our fiscal year goes through July. So, you know, we're still in the, in the, in the, in the first half of it anyhow. Um, but we were like 98%, which is also, so it was awesome, but it was also kind of tantalizing. Right. Uh, so anyhow, um, that's, uh, 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 but today so today is is what many people call giving tuesday it's kind of a recent thing it's i uh, you know i i've always felt it's like a little bit gimmicky but of course like you know i'm president of a nonprofit university so who am i to discourage giving um but anyway giving tuesday is cool i guess if like cyber monday and black friday are things like giving tuesday should be a thing too um uh so anyhow it's um it's uh, uh, today is Giving Tuesday, and we received several new gifts today uh, for Giving Tuesday. Several people who very generously remembered Signum University on Giving Tuesday, which brought us up to a hundred percent of our goal. So we have reached uh, our annual fund goal of uh, sixty thousand dollars for the year, which is. Absolutely fantastic. So thanks to so many of you. Uh well, okay, no. Thanks to all of you who donated, who are so many of you. Um, and uh and just know that I really appreciate it and that it really means a lot both to uh, both to me personally and to what we're doing and, and and what we're trying to build moving forward. I spent a lot of time over Thanksgiving at my in-laws, kind of hiding in a corner with my laptop working on strategic plans and financial projections and things. We're doing a lot of long-term planning at Signum as, as part of uh, formulating and completing our application for accreditation right now. So we're... Um, uh, anyway, I've been thinking a lot about that and, and thinking a lot about what we're building and where we're going, and it's really fun and really exciting. Uh, so anyway, just many, many thanks to um, uh, to everyone who uh, was able to support us there. Um, now, uh, the, one other... Bruce, I just wanted to share that. And thank you guys. The, 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 the second thing is I just wanted to make you guys aware that we're, we're running a a special thing for the holidays, uh, at Signum. Uh, it's, it's, if you wanted to, uh, if you're looking around for sort of a different gift, uh, for, you know, the, uh, the, 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 you know, sort of dear, uh, geeks and nerds in your life, uh, you know, who uh, share your interests and passions. Um, I just wanted to let you know, so we're running this special on our Anytime Audit uh, uh, tuition. So y- you can do an Anytime Audit for classes, just in case you don't know about this program, any of the courses that we've run before, uh, you can audit them asynchronously, which means you get full access to all of the recorded lectures and all the class materials and all of the handouts and things. Plus, you also get access to the Signum library resources as well. Uh, so it's like you're able to partic- to participate in the class fully. It's asynchronously, but but fully. Um, And normally the tuition for our, our anytime audit classes is $95 a piece, but we're running a special specifically on gift certificates. You can give a gift certificate for an anytime audit. So you can give the gift of like... You know, Tom Shippey's Beowulf course or something like that, you know, or like the, you know, the Lewis and Tolkien course, which was so much for my Tolkien's poetry class, uh, which was super fun. Anyway, so many classes, so many things, the H.P. Lovecraft class, the Star Wars class, uh, you know, the science fiction surveys, uh, so many things that we've done in the past. Anyway, so you can get a gift certificate to anything in our Anytime Audit catalog for $75 and uh, they make very unusual uh and really rewarding christmas gifts so just wanted to let you guys know that that was happening if you just go to our homepage, signumuniversity.org you'll see there's a little banner on the uh on the homepage, uh which you should be able to notice when you get there um which uh where you can get more information on that so cool yeah okay i see several people are uh um uh are confirming that anytime audit classes are awesome. it's really it's really a, it's really a fun uh, a fun program. I've been really been really happy that we've had that going. So anyway, just wanted to let you know that that is something that we're doing here. That's going to be running through the holidays, I think through all or almost all of the month of December, but it's officially launched and begun, so just wanted to make sure you guys were aware of that. All right. Uh so You know, it's been it's been like we took one week off. Right. So it hasn't actually been that long since we've had class together. But, you know, I'm always you know, some people call me really forgetful. I like to think of it as. Living in the present, you know, which means that two weeks ago, I don't even remember what was happening, and uh, and you know, trying to set up for class tonight, I'm like, wait, what happens now? What software am I supposed to be using? I don't even remember. So, it kind of took me a while to get everything together, and it's not uh, was not helped by the fact that tonight is uh, a, 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 there's a especially a, a complicated little wrinkle tonight, um, but um, anyway. Uh, I'm excited for the sing-along, but we're not quite up to the song yet. Uh, we are, we still have, uh, we still have two slides prior to the song. So our first goal is to talk about those two slides and then we will do the song. I also plan and hope to talk about the uh, older version of the poem, but I don't really aspire to doing that tonight. I don't think that's going to happen tonight, um, We'll probably lead off next week uh with just a little comparison back to the older versions of the uh of the song just to see sort of how it's grown and evolved. Um how it grew and evolved over Tolkien's lifetime. I mean a good fifty years he was uh rewriting this poem uh many times. So um anyway, we'll uh uh we'll 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 get to that. But Oh yeah, and I should probably see. Look, I actually forgot to put my slides up. Hang on, hang on. All right, let's see. Let's uh, let's let's get this together here. Let's see. Okay. See, see this. Hang on. See, I forgot to put my slides down. Of all the things. Hang on. (laughs) Getting things uh, getting things together here. All right. And there we are. There's my slides. Let me pull them over here. Okay. There we go. Almost time for the troll song sing-along. We're all going to sing together. You, me, our very special posthumous guest. It's going to be awesome. So, okay. But first, let us do our other two slides. Okay. Okay. So we had just gotten to the final reveal. You'll remember how, um, you know, and uh, forgive me the terrible pun, uh, but you'll remember how Strider was trolling them, right? You know, how we were pretty sure that Strider picked up way earlier that, you know, very, very early on. Probably as soon as they hit the trail coming down, he knew where he was, right? Um, Certainly after they found the troll hole, he knew exactly where they were. uh, And the way that he... Um, you know, kind of continues to doesn't exactly egg Marion Pippin on, but you know, sort of the way he humors them and the way they're running on ahead and being really serious and and uh, you know contributing, right? Um, is, uh, is 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 it's kind of cute, right? And and, and I, th- I think it's important, you know. And we talked about this a little bit last time, but um, I think it's important because we see this is. This moment of kind of camaraderie that we see, especially between Strider and Marion Pippin, who have been much more on the outside. Right. We were looking at, you know, sort of Strider and Sam having, you know, heart to hearts. Right. Um, And we saw way back in The Prancing Pony, right, in the conversation between Strider and Frodo, how the two of them were kind of coming to understand and sort of respect each other more. Right. Sam took a little longer to warm up uh, to him. But I think it's it's pretty neat. To be able to see what what looked like sort of efforts, you know, I, I think are 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 efforts that Strider is putting forth in order to, I don't know, kind of get to know the other hobbits, right? To kind of connect with the other hobbits, a little, you know, all three of the other hobbits, um, a little bit, uh, a little bit more. And uh, yes, yeah, Kariya, it is nice to see Strider being funny right um even though i mean it's he's not exactly cracking jokes but you can see like he's got to be holding in his laughter um all the way th- all the way through this past section right um so remember he's just picked up his stick, right? Strider's primary weapon of choice. He's picked up his stick, which of course is also a nostalgic weapon to pick up, uh, as you're approaching this particular glade, uh, containing these particular trolls, right? As we were recalling last time, how Thor and Oakenshield, uh, you know, defended himself. I was about to say manfully, but I suppose it's dwarffully, right. Uh, with, um, uh, with, a with a, with a pointed stick that he pulled out of the fire. Uh, uh, you know back in the hobbit um yeah um <laughs> jj says Strider can't be a good guy if he doesn't have some sense of humor um and uh, yeah and Bruinier i agree he does seem to have loosened up a little bit i mean certainly Bruinier you're right compared to the like do not say such things you know do not speak that name so loudly uh that we saw I many he've seen especially then right moments when when the when the when the hobbits were talking and they were you know laughing and joking with each other and they were kind of having a moment right and trying to keep each other's spirits up and then in comes like killjoy strider right you know like squashing any any of the any of the um uh the the you know, good times that were happening in the party. Uh, it, it is cool to see. And, but I mean, obviously I don't think it's just that, you know, I don't think, you know, this is necessarily seeing Strider change or something like that. Um, the point I think is, is that sort of the circumstances are different. And I think it's important. I think it's important to see, this is the post like Nazgul attack world, right? Um, for them to, Uh, he seems to have changed his tack, I think, significantly. Um, He seems to be more concerned now with keeping with their spirits and with keeping their spirits up. I think we can see that in his conversations with Sam. I think we can see that in his interactions with Merry and Pippin here. Um, And as we've been discussing, that's something that's something that is... uh, uh, tactically significant right when we're talking about this current world where you know uh, you know the the challenge that strider is facing right here as he's trying to make his way to rivendell with the nazgul dogging him right um <laughs> yes <laughs> now it's interesting that so uh uh Tora (laughs) Martha just said, this grimace is my happy face, right? And uh, uh, Tony Mead was saying he has resting grim face. It's interesting because I forget. Oh, and I'm I'm blanking on this once again, like memory. But one of my students, and I can't remember who was pointing out. Was it Sparrow? I can't remember. Um, Somebody was pointing out. This sounds like a sparrow kind of thing to observe, which is why it makes me think of her, because um, it's it's particular hobbit usage and it's uh, hobbit word usage, which makes me think of sparrow. Um, and that is the the coinciding of the word grim with kingliness that like kings are often described as grim in Tolkien. grimness is a, a, a sort of um, very common associated factor with kingship. Um, so, you know, it's, so I, I was just interested to be reminded of that, uh, by Tora, Martha and Tony, um, both thinking about grimacing and, 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 and about grimness, right? Um, mad violinist, exactly. Bard is the grim voiced man who of course becomes king, right? Um, absolutely grim. I, I always think, uh, uh, mad violinist, I, I, I always think of bard first too, when, when I, when I hear the word grim, um, but, um, anyway, it's, um it's definitely, it's definitely associated, we see see Bard is not the only one who comes to be king who is uh, described as, described as grim. Uh, Anyway, so, that Strider should be a little grim is kind of in character, right? You know, it's uh, it's kind of having the gravitas of, um, of, of the, the, you know, his position, right? Of his line. Um, However, we see that this is, it's not just, that's not, you know, it's not a setting he can't turn off. Right. Um, and, uh, it's neat to see some, uh, uh, some sort of flexibility beyond that. Um, yeah, Brunier, no, it's not exactly that. Like every king is always grim. I agree. Théoden isn't, isn't very grim. Théoden is one of the most sort of cheerful and friendly. I mean, once he gets over his, you know, issues, he's one of the most (laughs) cheerful and friendly of the kings that we meet. Um, no, the 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 point was actually made about the um the actual usage of the word, like the, a, a large number of the times the word "grim" is used, uh, it's about kings. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, Lelith says as if those who are grim are also wise and experienced. Yeah, well, Lelith again here I come back to Bard, right? Bard is the grim-voiced man, um and it is his grimness even what sounds like pessimism right just simple th- you know expecting the worst all the time um which uh, which leads bard to do what he does and to be who he is during the defense of esgaroth um but um yeah anyway um i don't want i don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole but so let's get back to um Let's get back to our slide here. Let's, 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 let's do a slide, shall we? Okay. The sun was now high, and it shone down through the half stripped branches of the trees and lit the clearing with bright patches of light. They halted suddenly on the edge and peered through the tree trunks, holding their breath. There stood the trolls, three large trolls. One was stooping, and the other two stood staring at him. Strider walked forward unconcernedly. Get up, old stone, he said, and broke his stick upon the stooping troll. Nothing happened. There was a gasp of astonishment from the hobbits, and then even Frodo laughed. Well, he said, we are forgetting our family history. These must be the very three that were caught by Gandalf quarreling over the right way to cook thirteen dwarves and one hobbit. I had no idea we were anywhere near the place, said Pippin. He knew the story well. Bilbo and Frodo had told it often, but as a matter of fact, he had never more than half believed it. Even now, he looked at the stone trolls with suspicion, wondering if some magic might not suddenly bring them to life again. "'You are forgetting not only your family history, but all you ever knew about trolls,' said Strider. "'It's broad daylight with a bright sun, and yet you come back trying to scare me with a tale of live trolls waiting for us in this glade.' In any case, you might have noticed that one of them has an old bird's nest behind his ear. That would be a most unusual ornament for a live troll. <laughs> mad violinist says and once more, Strider has a broken primary weapon. <laughs> yeah, he's just more comfortable that way, mad violinist. It's uh it's uh, it's, it's easy. Um Yeah. Um I love the um I love the way that the narrator sets us up for this, right? Um on the one hand, we get the narrator kind of plays along with Strider's joke right up until the end, right? There stood the trolls, three large trolls. One was stooping and the other two stood staring at him, right? As if we're getting an action scene in the middle of the action, right? Which is, of course, what it looks like, right? Um, But, of course, the narrator has set this up for us, has set up the joke in the previous paragraph. The sun was now high, he says at the beginning of the paragraphs, right? The sun was now high, and it shone down through the half-stripped branches of the trees and lit the clearing with bright patches of light. So it's not just that the sun is out, right? There is some, There are beams of sunlight throughout the glade, even under the trees, right? Because um, the branches are half-stripped, so the sun is coming right through. Um, So they're peering through the tree trunks, holding their breath, which, of course, should remind us of the scene in The Hobbit, right? When Bilbo is first looking through the trees, peering out at these self-same trolls in this exact location, right? And uh, this uh, juxtaposition is especially strong, right? when you think about if you remember Tolkien's illustration right the 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 drawing that he did for the hobbit um the the black drawing right with the white lines uh of the troll uh the troll camp right um with everybody kind of peeking out behind trees and out of bushes and things right um uh that's um yeah so that's uh something that we can um Something that we can that we can see being sort of set up here, right um, so we remember that, but notice how again the narrator has made a direct parallel to that scene and yet completely reversed it instead of a completely almost totally black scene right as we got in that picture of tolkien's. Um, It's a very, very brightly lit scene, right? So it's this really bright. So we've got the the, the, the sort of fear and dread of Merry and Pippin as they're afraid of the trolls. And you gotta think, kind of impressed with Strider's bravado, right? You know, they've just come running back to him in the previous slide, right? Just just in the last paragraph and said, there are trolls, we've seen them, right? And notice the kind of boast there, right? We are such good scouts. There are trolls there. I sneaked right into the glade with those... I saw the trolls, and I came back, and they didn't even chase me, right? Those trolls did not even know I was there. That's how skillful I am, right? And, of course, Trider's going to turn it around, and he's not going to say this, right? But, you know, like, good job hiding from the statue, right? statue didn't chase after you did it, right? Wow, that was pretty... That was, that, that was pretty good. Um, uh, but, again, he's being... He's being gentle, right? He's actually letting them help in small ways, right? He's kind of humoring them, um, uh, but also, uh, but also, sort of uh, setting them up here. Um, yeah, so it's Strider's walking forward is what kind of? Well, I, I was going to say breaks the spell, but it's not exactly a spell, right? Because again, we have like the joke is already being sprung. Right in the description, the very contrast between the darkness and uncertainty and fear of the scene in the Hobbit and the brightness and sort of beauty of the day here um, is already. Even if you have forgotten everything, forgotten everything you've ever known about trolls, right? Even if you forgot about the whole turn into stone in the sunlight thing, it still does not feel anything like the same. Right? Uh, yeah. Get up old stone, he said, and broke his stick upon the stooping troll. So here he uh what, like fake attacks it, right? Treats it like um um you know, sort of shows his unconcern, um get up old stone, you know, giving a this useless command to it and treating it like what, like a pet, you know, like a um I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm not sure I can, I'm I'm not capturing it right. trying to capture the tone of his, of Strider's words there, get up old stone. Um, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm trying to think of a comparison. I can't think of exactly the right comparison. I wonder if you can think of a better comparison than I can. Um yeah and jj you're absolutely right i love the way the narrator sets it up in exactly that way that the joke is in fact also on the readers if they've forgotten everything they ever knew about trolls right um or if you know cuz they could get suckered in it's easy to get suckered in here right mary and pippin are afraid and they and they've just showed you that the narrator's just showed you the trolls right um yeah yeah um Yeah, it does almost sound like a common expression, Tony. Um, I mean, it's certainly um, yeah, (laughs) Matt, I agree it is almost like a, a it is almost like fan service uh, for Hobbit readers, right? This scene, um, but of course, it's more than obviously the role that the Hobbit story has within this story, as you know, Frodo going to go on to talk about. Um, it's more than just about you know for the fans of uh, uh, of uh, of uh, you know the, the outside readers of the Hobbit. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. If you haven't read The Hobbit, this a lot of this joke is going to be lost on you here. Um, Zeph and I agree. I do think that he does sound like he's almost uh, uh, like he's mocking the trolls. Definitely. Get up, old stone. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's interesting. Zenia uh, uh, was just saying that uh, it's almost like Tom Bombadil and Old Man Willow. Um, yeah, there's, that's a little more personal. Zenya, I would say, I mean, like the, you know, you let them out again, old man Willow, right? Um, uh, you know, as he's beating on the tree with his stick. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, th- there's certainly, especially the beating with sticks is a parallel. Um, but, um, uh, but th- that's, it's, it seems a little bit more, uh, like, you know, t- talking to a neighbor uh, in Tom Bombadil's case uh, th- than in this case. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But Tom, I agree with you. It is, um, it is a signal that we're not in the Hobbit anymore, right? We can see that, um, the contrast, and we've been talking about this a little bit, right? I mean, thinking about this is, we've come to the place where Bilbo had his adventure that happens in chapter two of the Hobbit, right? His first adventure on his journey, right? He made it all the way to here before he had any adventures, of any kind, right, other than forgetting his pocket handkerchief when he left um, and, you know, we think of all that Frodo has gone through already um, in the old forest and in Bree and with the Nazgul and everything right, so, uh, and the, you know, the Barrow Downs and everything um, yeah, yeah um, yeah, interesting Mike hears relief in Strider's tone, like here's a problem he can deal with Yeah, certainly, um, it's uh, nice to have a problem that's readily solvable, uh, like this, um, uh, definitely, um, yeah, I don't know if he's, like, I I don't know if I I, what I want to be hesitant about is I wouldn't want to suggest that he's, like, oh, you know, finally, something in my, you know, Uh, at my pay grade, you know, a problem I can handle. I I, I don't see anything kind of self-deprecating in that way about this. Um, Because, I mean, after all, Aragorn's pay grade is relatively high, actually, as it turns out. Um, But but anyway. um, Yeah, yeah. Um, But certainly it is nice for him to be able to have a situation that, you know an apparent crisis that can simply be taken and transformed, not only just handled, right, but transformed into a positive thing, right? Um, He plays it really well for laughs so that all of them, even Frodo... Uh, you know, and we have seen the struggles that he's having, and and you know how much pain he's in, and um, how close he's getting to the wraith world. Even he laughs, right? Even his spirit is lifted by this. Um, yeah, and for Thaunless, I that's exactly something I keep coming back to here. Um, this is this is also medicine for Frodo, right? Um, and it's. Frodo, of course, who uh, recalls it. I really like um, Frodo's characterization of this as family history. And notice our family history, Um, the way that he includes all three of the other hobbits in that, right? Because of course, Bilbo is related uh, to both Merry and Pippin as well. He's, he's, I mean, they're not Bagginses, but they're all of them descendants of the old Took, as seems to be about half the shire actually. But uh, but anyway, they're all descendants of the old Took. They all are uh, connected. But but again, the way in which he sort of more importantly, the, it's not about family. I think in terms of blood, what I think it's about is like remember, remember where we came from. Remember the spirit with which they pursued these things. And I still, I keep coming back to that line of Mary's uh, when he runs into them again, uh, uh, you know, on the shores of the river, right? When he says, you seem, to be ha- you seem to have been having adventures, which was not quite fair without me, right? The whole way in which they used to look at the world growing up as, you know, sort of the nephews and protégés of, of Bilbo, right? Being in and out of Bag End, hearing his stories. And this includes Sam, right um so in in this sense it's sam's sam is is included i think in this family history because they've all heard the story this story right um and so the way that this gets brought in, so I think it 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 is comic relief, but it's not just comic relief. I do think that this is lightening the mood and the spirits, which is super important. Which is not only I think for thoughtless, as you said, medicinal, but even again, as I was suggesting before, tactical. Right? I think I think it's 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 really important. Um, and yes, Matt was just saying the same thing that uh, it's interesting that family history does include Sam in a way. Absolutely. Um, Uh, it's certainly, uh, and it's certainly going to be Sam's family history in a different way, right? In that this is going to be the history that Sam is going to be handing down to his family someday. Right. Um, but, uh, um, but anyway, it's, it's, I, I would, I would, I would go one step further from that, right? In Frodo's comment, what I think that we can hear here is this sort of remember back to the world that we came from, not, not, not the Shire, right? N- not in this sense, merely of like, Oh, remember the Shire and how wonderful and comfortable and home-like it is. This is not like recalling the kettle, just beginning to sing. This is remember that sort of spirit of adventure that we grew up with this younger gener- generation of Hobbits grew up with it. that previous generations hadn't had, right? Cause they didn't have Bilbo as their crazy uncle. Um, but that kind of excitement, that kind of spirit—you know, the 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 spirit that made Sam uh, delighted to go off and 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 meet the elves, right? The spirit that uh, uh, that again made uh, Mary at least mock grumpy for missing adventures, right? That they had without him. It's, um, you know, they've lost some of that. They've had real adventures now—very serious adventures. Adventures compared with which. Many of Bilbo's adventures are pretty tame, especially, again, Even this early one, the, the trolls were no joke, right? I mean, they, the d- dwarves in Bilbo legitimately did almost get eaten uh, by the trolls. So I'm not trying to minimize the danger that they were in. But again, um, it's a funny story, right? I mean, the troll adventures are very funny and it seems pretty clear, even just from the tone of The Hobbit and the way they talk about it, it seems pretty clear that Bilbo used to play the troll story for laughs, right? Um, So again, this whole spirit of fun, which was associated with, like, the wide world and the world of adventure and everything else, right? Um, So to me, Frodo saying, we are forgetting our family history really kind of recalls that, right? Like, we've put ourselves in into a very different, you know, headspace than we used to be in. Right. Our whole outlook has really changed. We need to recall it's see it. It's important, right. For us to recall our family history, right. Uh, to recall that world, that experience that we've always had. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, Simon says because um uh, because uh, Gandalf chose a bad time to disappear. Yeah, and once again, of course, we have that we have that parallel. Um and notice that's what, you know, Simon I wasn't even thinking about this, but you're right. Notice that's what Frodo emphasizes, right? Um These must be the very three that were caught by Gandalf quarreling over the right way to cook 13 dwarves and one hobbit, right? Um Yes, that's the time when Gandalf came back, Gandalf was unexpectedly away, and he comes back in the nick of time to save the day, right? Um, As Gandalf might say, that might be an encouraging thought, (laughs) right? Yeah, maybe it is. Um, Yet another reason to remember this particular chapter of family history, and yet another way in which I think this incident can be, you know, helpful, can be uh, uh, healing, can be strengthening uh, in this sort of spiritual battle that we have, uh, uh, that we have seen them fighting. Uh, interesting that Pippin had never more than half believed the story. This also suggests to me that Bilbo had played this story for laughs, right? I don't... There are a couple ways we can read this. Right. One is thinking that, uh, you know, uh, Pippin like basically suspects Bilbo of just exaggerating uh, a lot of his stories. Right. So that Pippin retains. I I don't think that, you know, Pippin is skeptical that these things exist. Right. Pippin is clearly not saying like, you know, cabbages and potatoes are better for you and me. Right. Um, So I don't think he doubts the existence of dragons or elves or things like that. Um I think it is possible to read this as suggesting that Pippin felt that Bilbo was exaggerating, right? Um and that sure yeah he must have had adventures, but probably it didn't go exactly like that, right? Um but um but in any case, um it's I I think there's another way to read this though, and that is for, about this particular incident. I don't think this necessarily um, need be something that we project onto, like, Pippin's reception of Bilbo's stories as a whole, right? Um, the paragraph does specifically say, it is talking about this story, right? This story that they knew well. Bilbo and Frodo had told it often, um, but Pippin had never more than half believed uh, this story, right? So... Maybe, you know, Bilbo's desire to tell a funny story made it sound so slapstick that he was like, come on, I like, surely that didn't, you know, Bilbo's having me, me on, right? You know, that surely it didn't happen exactly that way. Um, yeah, yeah, um... Oh, that's interesting, Tony. Tony says he's always had uh, the uh, the headcanon that Bilbo made up the talking person, uh, maybe even the troll conversation in order to make the story more palatable for kids. I like the idea that, like, Bilbo told a, a sort of a child-friendly version of the story. Um, and it certainly kind of fits with this moment, right, with this atmosphere uh, of, you know, and again, of, like, the young Pippin reserving uh, his... Uh, uh, you know skepticism about whether or not uncle bilbo is telling this story exactly straight like did this really happen this way i'm not really i'm not really sure about that right um yeah oops sorry um his suspicion is interesting i take his suspicion uh, as being uh still like Pippin remember this is Pippin's big moment right this is his big contribution you know this is Pippin master scout and bold explorer right who found the trolls and came back and reported them you know so it seems to me like he's kind of not really willing to let go of the fact that there might possibly actually be some danger here uh that he uh, uh that he cited but um yeah yeah um Yeah, good. Um, Yeah, good. Yeah, the mad violinist is suspecting perhaps the uh, the future narrator is having a little fun at Pippin's expense. Um, Matt, what do you think? That last sentence? Even now he looked at the stone trolls with suspicion, wondering if some magic might not suddenly bring them to life again. Frodo or Sam? Frodo or Sam? Who do you guys have for that sentence? Let's see. Oh, we've got voting here. Okay. We're got now oh, pretty evenly split. Okay, a couple more, huh? A couple more Frodo votes are coming in. I'm going with Frodo on this, I think. I don't know. It could be either one. I could be convinced, I think. Um I think Well, it's not that Sam wouldn't kind of make fun of Pippin. Um, but the tone of it, the tone of the making fun sounds a little bit more Frodo like to me. Um, uh, the older cousin tone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking probably, uh, um. (laughs) Yeah, Boomful, that's a really good point. Boomful says, well, it's not praising Frodo or Bill the Pony, so it's probably not Sam. (laughs) Yeah, you know, well, certainly it works. It definitely works the other way around Boomful, right? I mean, like on the one hand, if when you get those passages, which are really praising Frodo, you feel pretty confident that those are probably Sam passages, right? Um, But um, yeah, anyway, so then Strider comes in right? Pointing out how the mistake that they were making was doubly silly, right? It's not, they didn't just forget Bilbo's story. They should have known perfectly well, right? Um, they should have known perfectly well, uh, what would happen. Uh, they should have known exactly where, as soon as they saw the cave, they should have remembered where they were. Um, But, uh, but of course pointing out that it wasn't just that, right? Even if you had taken nothing else from Bilbo's story, uh, the fact that trolls turned to stone in the sunlight, probably something you could have retained. Um, yeah, um... Yeah, Mike points out that this is one of the few places in the story where Frodo has a genuine happy memory. And Mike, that's a good point. Well worth uh, remembering, I think. Um, yeah. Ah, okay, here's Zeffin's argument. Yeah, Okay, Zeffin says that... Um, uh, let's see, where's the... Oh, from earlier on? Frodo said nothing, but Sam looks scared. That was in the previous slide. Um, Frodo said nothing, but Sam looks scared. Um, Zephyr argues, that's clearly Sam saying that, right? Um, and uh, that this is a continuation of that section. Possibly, possibly. But see, I tend to think Sam's contributions are less like whole passages and more um, additions, right? Sort of glosses along the way. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Matt, it is the, 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 the narration here is inside Pippin's head, but not necessarily. This isn't telling us exactly Pippin's experience. Notice it's actually describing his externals, right? He looked at the stone trolls. Now we do get the wondering if some magic might not bring them suddenly to life again. But this could be just sort of a description of his outward demeanor. This doesn't necessarily, I think, argue for absolutely privileged information about what was going on inside Pippin's head, possibly, but um, um, but not uh, not necessarily. Um, Yeah, you know, uh, so uh, Seamus, I I think, let's see, Seamus says... um, how do I think Frodo was affected by visiting the troll location? You know, originally he wanted to follow in Bilbo's footsteps, but do I think the poison of the wound has overtaken that part of Frodo yet? I, I don't think it's necessarily about the wound, the poison overtaking it, but remember the insight that Frodo has way back in Bag End, right? When he says, this is no holiday, right? You know, this is no, no there and back again journey. He, he does feel... The desire to follow in Bilbo's footsteps, to go on an adventure like him, to run off down the path. Um, he feels that, but he also feels very, is very conscious of the fact that this is a different kind of adventure, right? And it's not going to work out the same way that Bilbo's did. Um, so I would add, therefore, that this is, um, um, this is... That I, I I I would have to think that this would kind of bear this, um, bear this into him a little bit more, right? Um, that he would be thinking about this. Probably even that that factor even more. It's funny. It's charming. Um, everybody laughs, and it's definitely a, a a light-hearted and a warm moment. And yet, when you think about it, as I'm sure, especially in his pain, uh, you know, continuing pain and darkness and surrounded by shadow as he is, uh, you know, in the next hours and days, as Frodo reflects on this, uh, I'm sure he's going to be thinking, you know, not exactly Uncle Bilbo had it easy, but again, to be even more painfully, even much more presently aware of the fact that, This is not a there and back again journey, right? His journey is not his uncle's journey. And again, it's not just that he's had it harder, but everything is different. The stakes are different. It's a different kind of adventure entirely. Uh, Coming this way on the way to find a treasure, right? Going going treasure hunting uh, and going this way is one thing, right? Um, To be, you know... Hounded and hunted and pursued by the deadly spies and uh, servants of the enemy, Um, you know, on this, you know, desperate and apparently hopeless quest. That's a different, very different kind of place. Um, Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, yeah. um, By the way, a couple of you before were asking like, you know, do I, you know, I think Tom, I think you were saying, does it do, you know, do we think the narrator is actually, you know, kind of setting up, um, setting the the readers up to think that Gandalf might appear here. Right. I, I think there's a little tease of that. Um, we are certainly reminded of the fact that this is, this is a moment, right. Where Gandalf returned and showed up in the nick of time, uh, after having been unexpectedly away, and of course it's not the only time that that does happen in the hobbit as you know as some of you were recalling um so yeah, and that's the situation again, and you know uh, Gandalf is certainly on the horizon, right, and certainly a big part of Frodo's own hopes, even Striders hoping to meet up with him at Weathertop and whatever um but uh um. But yeah, no, I, uh, Finn, I agree. I've never, that was, that never was something I came away thinking and, and, but it is interesting to sort of see, you gotta be wondering if that's, you know, one of the things again, that's, uh, also in Frodo's mind. Right. Um, and Lelith, I agree. This scene also really does help us to understand that this is different from the Hobbit. And again, Lilith, I go back to that comment of Bilbo's in Bag End, right? That um, it's it's not just that he is. Well, now let me let me come at that a different way. He says this is not going to be a there and back again journey, but what does that mean, right? I mean. We know the story, right? We know what's going to happen. So, of course, we already... When he says that, we have lots of things that we could say about that. Um, but, um, uh, but Lalitha, I, I agree that, you know, readers, first-time readers, aren't going to have a key to that yet. Um, okay, it's going to be different, but how is it going to be different? I mean, remember, this book started off as a sequel to The Hobbit, like more Hobbit adventures, right? And And it's, you know... Chapter two has changed that already significantly in the attack of the ring Rates. and you know, it's, it's already different. Um, but this is a really interesting sort of touchstone in that. Again, this sort of reminder, um, remember how different we are. Even we as readers should feel very different thinking when we get to this scene and we think back to the, you know, over these parallels where Frodo what Frodo's journey is what kinds of dangers Frodo has been facing the uh the sort of the circumstances Frodo is under compared to Bilbo right and remembering Bilbo's adventure and I do think that this kind of helps us to sort of put these things put these things together um yeah yeah Tony I agree Tony says I uh, he feels like Frodo always suspected that this might be a suicide mission yeah yeah, I, I mean, I think that's what he's pointing to when he says, you know, that he can, you know, to go and 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 to to lose a treasure and not return, as far as he can see, um, or or at least a life sentence, Mike. Right, the best case scenario, right, is to stay on the run and stay one step ahead of, uh, you know, the the hand of the shadow, right, uh, and his hunters and spies who are pursuing you, and that that's the best case scenario, right? Clearly, um. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. For unless I agree. I don't think he's reconciled himself to death yet. Remember, he's not even sure that he's going to... Um, he's not even sure that he's going to going on from Rivendell. I, it, it's not obvious. Um, you know, Gandalf said, like, maybe you'll take the ring to, you know, the Fiery Mountain. Maybe that quest will be for others. Um, so Gandalf has thrown it out there, right, already, back in Bag End, But... But it's it that's it's it's not clear. Rivendell is their goal, um, but yeah, ba- he can't go home again because the enemy's hunting him. So one way or another, um, he's not going home. But yeah, is he? Does he recognize the fact that especially now? Not only now in the sense of after what he's experienced, but now that like he has the, the you know, the wound and the, 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 the weapon of the enemy working its way towards its heart. Do you think Frodo has some, some kind of sense, right? That, um, maybe things are not going to pan out real well for him. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he's probably thought about that. You know, what, um, um, what, what being continually hounded and hunted by the, uh, uh, by the servants of the enemy might look like. I think he's got a, a shrewd guess, uh, as to what that might be like. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, Lincoln. Of course. Yeah, he he's not aware of having the the splinter in his shoulder, but again, he doesn't need to know about the mechanism, right? He just knows about the effect uh, and can t- can tell the direction the needle is pointing, so to speak, right? I mean, he he can he can feel the wound progressing and things getting worse and worse. Um, yeah, he definitely feels the power of the wound. And Aragorn has said there's some, you know there's some, there's some evil in the wound that is beyond my ability to heal. All right. Um, let's, uh, Hey, let's do our next one. They all laughed. Frodo felt his spirits reviving. The reminder of Bilbo's first successful adventure was heartening. The sun too was warm and comforting and the mist before his eyes seemed to be lifting a little. "'They rested for some time in the glade "'and took their midday meal right under the shadow "'of the troll's large legs. "'Won't somebody give us a bit of a song "'while the sun is high?' said Mary, when they had finished. "'We haven't had a song or a tale for days.' "'Not since Weathertop,' said Frodo. "'The others looked at him. "'Don't worry about me,' he added. "'I feel much better, but I don't think I could sing. "'Perhaps Sam could dig something out of his memory.' "'Come on, Sam,' said Mary. "'There's more stored in your head than you let on about.' I don't know about that, said Sam. But how would this suit? It ain't what I call proper poetry, if you understand me, just a bit of nonsense. But these old images here brought it to my mind. Standing up with his hands behind his back as if he was at school, he began to sing to an old tune. All right. Get to the old tune in just a minute. Um. So, uh, yeah, school Finn, right? So we've got the school issue here, right? And again, so as if he was at school this i think we can understand in one of two ways right either a he this is like a, a word that they actually used because he's thinking of like his lessons from at mr bilbo's right as school or b this is the narrator tran- translating right um that and there are lots of examples of this in The Hobbit, especially in the first edition of The Hobbit, um, uh, like the references to Christmas. There are two references to Christmas uh, in The Hobbit, um, one of which gets cut out. I think the other one is still there, right? One is the comparison of the uh, some of the trees the dwarves climb up into in the Wolf Glade, uh, comparing them to Christmas trees. Um, and the other was definitely changed in, I think, the third edition... Of the Hobbit second or third, I can't remember which. Um the description of Elrond, where he is called, you may remember, kind as summer at the end of his description. Um but in the first edition of the Hobbit he was kind as Christmas. Uh and and of course, we've seen this in *The Lord of the Rings*, but very, mo- very much more rarely. Um, most notably, of course, in the anachronistic reference to the express train, um, which to which the uh, the dragon um, firework right, which swoops down uh, and passes over like an exp- with a sound like an express train. Um, that's clearly the modern narrator using a, you know, you know, the modern translator using a modern comparison in order to capture the sound, right? Which again, was a thing that happened in The Hobbit a fair bit, much, much less so in The Lord of the Rings. Um, so much less so that I find myself a little resistant to that reading here. Um, but, um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fourth Dauntless was thinking the same thing. But I don't know, like I said, I find it a little bit... I find myself a little bit resistant to it. And the primary... The primary uh, um, source of my resistance is just how... We're way past that. Uh, I mean, some of that remains in Chapter 1... There are not very many examples of that in the, like, post-Chapter 3 world uh, of uh, uh, of even of the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, so, yeah, I... Um, it seems to me more likely that Sam actually went to some kind of... That, that word school is in Sam's vocabulary. Um, and certainly... Um, Reciting poetry, um, standing up with your hands behind your back, is certainly something he would do. I mean, we, we even, in the Gilgalad poem, right, which he was reciting, which he clearly learned by heart, right, um, <clears throat> and was reciting from memory, we know he's done this kind of thing, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Matt <clears throat> points out that the high literacy level of the shire, a comparatively high literacy level. Um m- makes him think that there has to be a school. Uh very possibly. Very, I I I think it's possible, I don't know. Um but it seems possible. Um the king's writer would have gone to a school. Yes, yes, I agree. Um Yeah. Um Right. Mad violinist Bilbo learned him his letters. I yeah, yeah. What does that mean? exactly when, when in relationship to school? what all right, I mean, we talked about Hobbit schools way back when we were talking about that original passage in chapter one. Um, you know, um, yeah, I, I mean I can I can just believe. Bruce, that as if he were at school is an addition of the modern narrator. I, I, I'm not, I'm not categorically against that reading. I'm just resistant. That's all. Just a little resistant to it. I want to push back against that because it's weird. It's not impossible. It doesn't make it impossible. Just a little unlikely, and so I don't want to. I don't want to accept it too hastily. Is all. Um. Yeah. The. Well, okay. All right, J.J.'s going to try and get me off on a big tangent here. Okay. Uh, J.J. says that sort of modern edition strikes me as more Lewis than Tolkien. No, having students in a modern-day English classroom you know, in the middle of Narnia, right? And then having Aslan peek in through the window, like happens as, as happens in Prince Caspian, right? That's like Lewis. Tolkien wouldn't do that. So do hobbits have schools? Maybe there is something like a school. Maybe they use that word school. Even would it look like a modern British school? No, it wouldn't look like a modern British school. What would it look like? Who knows? Right. Um, I certainly think that Sam is probably not the only Hobbit child who learns his letters from um, Bilbo. Uh, I would be very surprised if that were the case. Um, again, the existence of the uh, you know of the Gilgalad poem suggests that you know Bilbo is thinking in educating terms right um so there might have been something like a school that is a group of kids all learning their letters together from old mr bilbo right um yeah that seems to me very likely um it seems to me very likely um and quite charming actually i really love that idea actually um yeah. Anyway, okay. Um, okay. Let's see what else. Uh, notice how Frodo recalls this, they haven't had a song since Weathertop. Um, and Frodo is the one who recalls, well, Mary says we haven't had a song or a tale for days. Um, note how immediately there's this associate. so we've got several things associated here together right? Uh, the Sun, High Spirits, and a song. Um, and they have not had that much like ease and sunshine over the last several days, as we've seen. Um, they've been afraid they've been weary they've been wandering in very difficult terrain it's been gloomy it's been it's been wet at times you know i mean it's not been an easy journey to this point apart from you know from frodo or in addition in addition i should say to frodo's wound um but then uh now this whole day Right, yesterday was a bad day. Uh and they, but they got to the top of that pass and ever since today, ever since the sun rose and drove away the mist and now they and those dreams that Frodo was having and now they've been they've been going downhill and the sun is shining and now they're all laughing and remembering happy things and happy times and different points of view and uh and now immediately they say, "Hey, how about a song?" Right? Um So, um, and the recollection of the song on Weathertop, uh, is interesting again, especially in light of what we've been talking about, about the medicinal and tactical value of this whole incident, right? For them. Um, yeah, so, um, it's Frodo who suggests that Sam should sing a song. Um, perhaps Sam could dig something out of his memory. Um, notice that. Oh, wait, but just briefly before that. Notice that Frodo is working to help to keep everyone else's spirits up as well. Right? We can see. Um, we can see Frodo like Strider, seeming to recognize that. You know. Pushing along the good cheer is a good thing. And to reassure them, hey, look, I'm good. Let's, no, let's be happy, right? Let's, let's, uh, uh, let's, let's have happy memories here. uh, And let's do happy things. Don't feel like you have to be sad and grim because I'm wounded and possibly mortally wounded. But it's okay. Let's be happy, right? Um, Yeah. 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 And you're right, Finn. That Frodo knows that Sam is more than he seems, right? Um, though the rest of them do too, right? Mary says there's more stored in your head than you let on about, right? Certainly, if Mary never suspected that before, he learned it when Sam suddenly comes out with the Gilgalad poem, right? Which uh, you know, which just happened relatively recently. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, there's more stored in your head than you let on about. And Sam says, I don't know about that, right? Uh, I, I, that's a very Sam line. Um, but he does immediately have a song for the occasion, right? Um, so let's, um, let's sing the song. It's time to sing the song. Uh, so this, of course, is one of the really delightful songs of the Lord of the Rings for lots of reasons. One of the um, one of the reasons, of course, is that Tolkien himself loved this poem. There's lots of indirect evidence of Tolkien's affection for this poem. Merely the fact that he kept revising it and rewriting it uh, as he went through life. He first wrote this, and we'll talk. I'll, I'll show you the first version of the poem next week. Um, but uh, the original composition of this poem. Was for a uh, uh, it was it was included in a small publication, which is by far the nerdiest, geekiest thing that Tolkien ever did in his entire long life, Uh, and that is the publication that he did while he was at Leeds, it was uh, back in 1920, I believe, right around 1920, uh, called Songs for the Philologists. It was a series of poems uh, composed or translated by the philology professors of the University of Leeds, um, and they were doing things like translating Twinkle Twinkle Little Star into Gothic and that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, it's, so yeah, The Songs for the Philologist is is high-level geekery, um, by, by Tolkien. And yeah, Karina, it is adorable. Um, Uh, So yeah, Finn, he had written that poem back in like the late teens, early 20s, um, uh, the original version of uh, the old troll song, and he had revised it since then. um, And he then included it in The Lord of the Rings, and then he continued to revise it, as we'll hear. Um, So uh, let's... um, I want to just talk briefly a second about the poem before we sing it. Um, so first a note about my notes here. So you'll see I've made some marginal annotations here in brackets. Um, the text, the primary text is the published text. Um, what's in the brackets? So I'm going to play Tolkien singing this song. What's one of the things that makes this song Uh, also very, one of the delightful songs, is that we have a recording of Tolkien singing this song himself. And, um, one of the things that is really fascinating to me is that Tolkien, and this is well after, of course, I don't, I don't remember the date, if anyone knows the date of, uh, uh, of Tolkien's recording of this song, I don't remember it offhand. Um, but anyway, it's it's significantly after... Uh, it can't be before the 60s. Um, uh, so anyway, it's significantly after the publication of The Lord of the Rings. And you can hear he's been continuing to revise it. The text that he... The, song, the words that he sings in this recording are not only different from the published text, they're different from any published text. It's even different from the version that goes into uh, The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. Um... So he he has continued uh to to like improve this song as time has gone on. So I've just made notes in the because otherwise we're gonna be singing. So I wanna do a sing along with Tolkien, but he's singing different words from the published words. Um so I've included the differences. Uh, just so that you can see, uh, you can see, so as we go through the song, you will see there's a couple of lines, uh, that he has, uh, changed, uh, more significantly. One of the interesting uh, and sort of strange things to me is that he changes the names, right? Tom, the main character, um, of, well, in as much as the troll is the main character, I guess, Tom is the secondary character, but um, the primary human character uh, in the poem is, is, uh, is Tom with his big boots on, of course, and he changes him to John. And he changes him to John and his uncle to Jim uh, in this uh, later version, and I don't Really know why? Um, yeah, Tony says he thinks it's around 1968. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right to me. Um, yeah, um, but anyway, um, so um, let's so let's listen first so that you can get the hang of it because I will tell you. Um, I didn't discover this recording for I, you know, didn't know about this recording for years and years and years. Reading the books, and I have to tell you that this poem escaped me for a really long time because I, I, uh, I couldn't parse it. Like I mean, rhythmically, I couldn't get it. I didn't get the kind of song that it was. I was just trying to read it like serious poetry, right? So I kept, um, I kept, you know. Troll sat alone on his seat of stone and munched and mumbled a bare old bone for many a year. He had not it year near for meat was hard to come by. And I'm fine with that, right? You can hear the rhythm. You can. It doesn't sound. You know, we'll, we'll look at this in more detail next time, but um, it doesn't it's it sounds like it fits with the other Hobbit songs that we've heard. And then done by gum by. I'm like, what do you do with that? I didn't know how to read it like I was trying to read it aloud. and I didn't know how to do it. So I'm like, for many a year, he had not it near for me. It was hard to come by done by gum by. In a cave in the hills, he dwelt alone, and meat was hard to come by. It has a strong rhythm, but I'm like, I, just, I couldn't recite it aloud. I didn't know how to do it, right? It never really made sense to me. Um, and so, yeah, when I say serious poetry, Lincoln, I mean, I could tell it was a joke, right? It was a funny poem. It's not that I thought it wasn't, it's not that I didn't think it was funny. It's just, again, I didn't know how to do it, how to sing it. Um, so, Anyway hearing, as soon as I heard Tolkien sing it for the first time, I was like, oh my goodness, like, this changes my entire world, right? Now I get it. This is like a pub song, and the done by Gumby" line, you know, the caveyard-paveyard line, this is like for people in the pub, drunken people in the pub, to join in, right? You know, you get a chance to, um, uh, to, to, exactly, uh, Wheel Rider, you get the, you get the audience yelling out certain parts. Exactly. That's just exactly what's happening here. And notice how we get the repetition of the lines at the end, right? Um, not exactly duplicates all the time, though. That was the original mode, by the way. Um, originally the, um, the the last two lines were exact repeats of the two lines before, so that people could uh, listen to the verse. Remember, people in the Prancing Pony were doing this kind of thing, right? They were joining in because they were quick in picking up words. Um, so, you know, you say you um, uh, you 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 do those the first four lines, right? And then you invite people to join in on the rhyme, right? And they can shout whatever silly rhymes. Uh, they can think of, right? It doesn't really matter. And then they repeat the last two lines with you. So it's a it's an audience participation thing. And I was like, oh man, once I got the audience participation thing, I um I I, I was like, yeah, this is uh makes so much more sense um and yeah tom wasn't that wasn't that fun yeah we did do it we did uh sing this together uh at uh, the new york tolkien conference a few years ago that was a lot of fun okay so first let's listen to tolkien sing it so you can get uh you can get the tune in your head and um and then we'll sing it together with him, okay? I'm, I think I'm, I'm going to try to remember to sing the newer words that he made up so I can sing along with him, and, and you have to join us. But let's, let's let's listen to it the first time, and I'm hoping to make sure, tell me that the audio works, or tell me if the audio works. I mean, I think I've got it piped through to everybody, both in Discord and on Twitch. Ooh, shoot. The people on Twitter aren't going to be able to hear it. Darn it! Actually, hang on. I think I can f- fix that, too. Nah, maybe I can't. Darn it! Okay, so if you're on Twitter, go to Twitch. Just go to Twitch. Twitch.tv/signumu. You should totally do that. Then you can get the audio with the uh, um, uh, uh, with the, the 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 song here. Okay, here we go.
1: Standing up with his hands behind his back, as if he was at school, he began to sing to an old tune. Oh,
0: wait, hang on. Now I'm not getting it. Did you guys hear it? Darn it! You heard it? Okay, I'm just not hearing it my own self. Hang on a second, I think I know why. Let me... Wait, because I can't sing along with him very well if I can't hear it. Got it. Okay, I figured out why. All right, here we go. Standing up
1: with his hands behind his back as if he was at school, he began to sing to an old tune. (coughs) <coughs> a troll sat alone on his seat of stone, and munched and mumbled a bare old bone. For many a year he had nodded near, for meat was hard to come by, Sum by, come by. In a cave in the hills he dwelt alone, and meat was hard to come by. Up came John with his big boots on, he to the troll, play what is yarn. For it looks like the shin of an Uncle Jim. There should be a loin in graveyard, caveyard, paveyard. This many a year has Jim been gone, and I thought he was a loin in graveyard. My lad said, Troll, this bone I stole, but what be bones that lie in a hole? Thine Uncle was dead as a lump of lead afore I found his carcass. Arky, marky, you can spare a bone for a poor old troll. He's got no use for his carcass said John I don't see where the likes of thee with axe in leaves go make him free with a leg of the shin of my father's skin, so hand the old bone over Rover trover Though Daddy B be, belongs to he so hand the old bone over for a couple of pins as a trollin' grins, I'll eat thee too and gnaw thy shins. A bit of fresh meat will go down sweet There'll be a nice change from then uncle, soncle, drunkle, I'm tired of knowing old bones and skins. There'll be a nice change from the uncle. But just as he thought his dinner was got, he found his hands had hold of naught. Before he could mind, John slipped behind and gave him the boot to land him, warn him, darn him. A bump of the boot in the seat, John thought, would be the way to land him. But harder than stone is the flesh and bone of a troll that sits in the hills alone. As well set your boot to the mountain's root, for the seat of a troll don't feel it, deal it, peel it. Old troll laughed, but John did groan, for his poor toes did feel it. John's leg is game since home he came, and his bootless foot is lasting lame. But Troll don't care, and he's still there, with a bony bone from its owner, donor, boner. Troll's old seat is still the same, with a bony bone from its
0: owner. (laughs) All right. right, so I apologize. I don't know why the audio is not working great on Discord. I guess it's better on Twitch, so that's good. Um, Wheel rider, it's actually pretty remarkable that Tolkien does not sing this song faster than he does. If you've ever ever heard him s- sing or recite anything else, and there are several recordings of this, um, it, he's super fast. I mean, listen to his uh, recitation of Namariel—you know, of uh, of Galadriel's Quenya poem. Holy cow! He's gonna like set things on fire with the pace that he rips through that. Um, uh, and yes, the end's march is insanely fast, Erokhim. I mean, he has a tendency. He loves to recite things. He has a he had a, he had a really fast voice. Um, students often found him hard to follow, actually, uh, in his lectures and things. Um, but um, uh, but anyway, it's um, uh, so. Therefore, I find that. Um, uh, the fact that he does not sing this song, you know, like his pants are on fire is interesting, actually. You can hear the like dramatic cadence that he's coming up with. And I love the moment where you can actually, I'm pretty sure that what you can hear is his foot tapping. Uh in 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 in, in one place. Can you hear that in the background? Um uh but anyway. Okay. Uh so let's um and yes I, have, I know there's a delay on Twitch. I know that that's uh, it's an issue there too, but uh, we'll we'll persevere. We'll see what we can do here. So let's do it again. Let's sing together ready? So you have to sing you have to sing with me. sing with me and Tolkien. We'll try to sing Tolkien's later version of it uh, and um, and we'll uh, we'll sing it together. And then we'll talk about it more in more in detail next week. Okay.
1: Standing up with his hands behind his back as if he was at school, he began to sing to an old tune. A troll sat alone on a seat of stone stone and munched and mumbled mumbled a bad old bone. for, for a many man a year, year he had nodded near, it near. for meat me was hard to come by. come by,
0: come, come, by, by, come, come by. by. In a and cave came in, in the hills he dwelt alone, and, and meat was hard, hard to come by. by. And and came Tom with his big boots on, boots on said he to Troll, pray what he is yon? For it looks like a shame of mine, Uncle Jim, as should be lying in graveyard, caveyard, yard This many a year has Jim been gone. And and I, I thought he was, he was lying in the graveyard. graveyard. My lad, well, lad said troll his bone, bone I stole. But what,
1: so what be bones, bones that lie a in a hole? Thy knuckle, knuckle was dead as a lump, a lump of lead. lead for I, I, I found his carcass. Carky,
0: Marky. He can spare, he can spare a, bone a bone for a poor old, old troll. troll. He's for he's got no use for his carcass.
1: Said John, I don't see, don't see the why I like to thee, that axe should go make him
0: free, free. With, with the, the shame shin and shinder my father's kin, so hand the old bone over, over, Brover. Brover. trover, so though daddy belongs, so though daddy be belongs, to, belongs he. to he, so hand the old bone over. A couple, a couple of, of pins, pins says Troll and Grins, and grins lead, lead thee to and gnaw thy shins. The a bit French of fresh meat will go, go down, sweet. down sweet. I'll trun- be a nice change from the uncle. Song, cool, trunkle, tired and of gnawing old bones and skins. There'll be, be a, a nice change, change from the But Just, just he as he thought his dinner was caught, he found his hands had hold of not. Before he 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 could mind, mind, Tom slipped behind behind and and gave him the boot to Larn him. Warn him, darn him. him. Bump of the boot on the seat Tom's heart would be the way to Larn him. His own is the, the fashion bone, bone of a troll of a that sits the in the hills alone As well, as well as a sit your boot to the mountain's, mountains root for, for the seat of, the of troll, a troll don't dear, feel it, dear, deal dear, it, dear, peel it Old, old troll, troll laughed, but John, John did groan his For his poor toes did feel it, it. John's Tom's leg, leg is game, game since he home he he came. came, came Bootless foot, foot is lasting he lame. But, but Troll, Troll don't, don't care, and he's still there. With, with the bony, bony bone from its owner. Doner boner. boner. Troll Troll's don't old seat is still the same. same and the bone bony bone from its donor. owner. Okay. Um. So. Awesome. A lot of fun. Um. Okay, so... I'm sorry. I don't know if that if the audio exactly synced up uh, on Twitch or not. This is a a complex audio uh, melding I'm doing here, um, but uh, anyway, super fun. Again, it, 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 like I said, it like changed my life when I heard this. I'm like, now the troll song went from one of my least favorite, possibly my very least favorite. I mean, I would have told like back in my twenties, I would have been like the troll song. Come on now. That's just not very good. I don't even know how that goes. Um, and, um, but now, as soon as I heard him sing it, I'm like, okay, and now it's like one of my favorite. I'm like, I, I literally like, you know, walk around singing the troll song <laughs> and, uh, off and on. Um, uh, in fact, like my kids know that song, uh, my teenager, knows that song because he's like, don't embarrass me, dad. Um, anyway. So this is, a, this is, a, it, it's, it's meant to be, it's meant to be uh, 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 clearly sung together. Right. Um, and I'm sorry. I kept, I kept switching back and forth between John and Tom. Uh, I can't, uh, his, the, the new words. I can't, I can't leave Tom behind. I uh, just, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, I I, so I know. I was kind of I was kind of phasing in and out of John and Tom there. But anyway, um, uh, but yes, he is singing to an existing tune, Irindis. This is this is an old traditional um uh uh, uh song. What's it? the, uh, the fox went out. I think is the name of the folk song that he's whose tune he is borrowing in order to use this, Um, but yeah, yeah. So this is this is there's a legitimate song. I do not think though. that that by itself explains why he's not singing this like his pants are on fire. Because I don't think, you know, again, like it's just the way that Tolkien talked and you can still hear it there. You know, some of some of the places where his rhythm is, uh, you know, where he'll he'll get into, um, you know, like, as well, sit your boot to the mountains route, you know, he or he'll just like rip through like the, the second part of that line. It's just the way he talked. Um, uh, yeah, the fox went out on a chilly night. Yep, that's it. That's it. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so this song is so much fun. And I'm not going to spend as long uh, talking about it as uh, I spent talking about, um, uh, you know, the Baron and Luthien song, of course. But, um, but it's still worth looking at. We can... We can start a little bit here tonight. Um, yeah, but I do think that he's. But I'm. Hang on, Irindis. I didn't quite finish responding to your comment there. I would say this. One of two things here. One is the sense of. I say public performance, but that seems a little silly. As him reciting or 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 uh, singing any of his poems is a public performance, right? So, like, why would this be sort of more public performance? Um, but um, but anyway, it's um, <laughs> the whole like setting of the song, right. That, 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 like the pub environment, um, you're not going to rip through this because there's that sense of like, again, like inviting everybody to sing along with you. Right. Um, and of that, again, those dramatic pauses, I particularly like, um, but harder than stone is the flesh and bone of a troll that sits in the hills alone. Uh, you know, that like okay, the, the, sort of the, the dramatic turn of the song at the end, right? When uh, Tom's lesson, you know, a bump of the boot on the seat Tom thought would be the way to larn him. And then we get the turn, right? And he, he clearly pauses there and sort of relishes the turn uh, there at that point. Just like you would do if you were playing up to the pub audience, right? Um, so, um, yeah. Anyway. Um, the other thing I think is that the rhythm is not his. Um, if you see what I mean, that is the poems that he recites super fast are his poems like his rhythms he hears that quenya in his head like now you know how he hears that quenya and i'll play it when we get there i promise We'll we'll listen to it um brace yourselves <laughs> and we'll listen to it together uh when we get to galadriel's song next year um yeah that was a confident prediction i think we'll get to it next year i, I Okay, maybe I shouldn't be so confident about that. Before the end of 2020, I will play for you uh, Goadriel's song. Um, But, um, uh, but anyway, Elberth Gilthonio, Goadriel's song, the Errantry song. Errantry is a different example because Errantry is designed to, like, the whole point of it is that you read it as fast as you possibly can, so. Um, But, um, Anyway. um, Yeah. But do you see what I mean, Irendus, when I say it's like, it's not... This one is not in his... It's his poetry, right? But it's not his rhythms. Uh, And so he's he's, he's performing somebody else. He's performing a traditional song with new words, rather than um, just reciting these, you know, this, these, his words and his, his verses. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Lincoln says he's envisioning um old man Mr., Mr. 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 former mayor Sam Gamgee uh in the green dragon leading the song for the crowd. Uh yeah, oh absolutely. Absolutely. Why wouldn't he? Um Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> Tony says if we leave Rivendell by next hobbit day you'll be impressed. Oh, yeah, we do still have the whole trip through Moria as well, don't we? Before we get to Galadriel's song. Oh, wait, no, that song is at the end of Lorien. No, oh, we've got the whole trip, the Galadriel's mirror, and. Yeah. Okay, so forget about that next year prediction. Right. Oh, that's silly. Uh, but anyway, okay. Um, yeah, exactly, Wheel Rider. That's just what I'm thinking. Um, the. Performing things that are self-composed versus made by someone else that's sort of coming from the inside or the outside—that's exactly the the distinction that I'm that I'm thinking there, um, and that this one is much more like a playing up thing. Like he's he's not playing up to anybody, you know. When he he's not playing up to a crowd when he's reading the Quenya poem, you know, a, a Quenya poem. He's at least imagining sort of playing up to a a crowd here. Um, Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, Look at the rhythm. What's the meter of this poem? Predominant meter, anyway. Troll sat alone on his seat of stone and munched and mumbled a barrel bone. What's the rhythm? What's the fundamental rhythm? What do you hear? Yes, fourth Dauntless, I hear I Am's too, especially in that second line. And munched and mumbled a bare old bone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's lots of liberties taken with the... But there's more liberties taken with... Because, again, of the, the sort of... The way in which it's sung. Um, you know, it doesn't have to scan perfectly because it's sloppy. Folk songs are often sloppy uh, in this way. But definitely an iambic feel. Um, Troll sat alone on his seat of stone and munched and mumbled a bare old bone. How many beats in the wine? And you're right, mad violinist. Um, The stresses line up neatly with the beats of the music. Yes. Troll sat alone on a seat of stone and munched and mumbled a bare old bone for many a year. He had not it near for meat was hard to come by. Yeah. Now you'll notice there are a few places where the rhythm differs from it, right? And you can, um, and it's interesting because the effect of that is syncopation, right? Um, and munched and mumbled a bare old bone For many a year he had gnawed it near For meat was hard to come by For meat was hard to... The hard there, right? For meat was hard to come by. Um, it it deviates, right? But notice how the deviation works. Um, yeah, Carita, when I say sloppy, I, I, I did not mean it as a... Uh, slight. I don't mean that as an insulting word. I only mean not rigid, not strict in its meter. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so the first two lines, lines—it's there, there are generally four beats in a line, especially in those first two, right? For many a year he had gnawed it near, for meat was hard to come by. Now notice the shape of the lines. I've, I've, I've done here the indentations as it's presented in the published text. Right? And notice how the lines keep getting shorter. Those indentations keep moving in before they go out again and come back, right? Um, Yeah. Tony says he can imagine the note on hard being stretched out, right? For meat was hard to come by. Yeah, yeah, I I can certainly imagine that. Um, uh, And Wheel Rider, you can totally swing pints back and forth uh, as, you're, as you're singing this song. Definitely. Um, which is why a good iambic beat works really well for that, right? That makes a lot of sense. Uh, the reason we get this syncopation, the reason the last line doesn't work out the same way, for meat was hard to come by, in part, is that it only has the three beats. Right. Now, AeroCab, excellent observation. AeroCab has already uh, noticed what changes in the next line. Right. done by Gum-by are very emphatically trochaic. Right. Now, this makes it sound... You know, using poetic terminology like this to talk about a song, this always feels a little bit silly. Um, But it's just a a, a sort of technical language to describe uh, a phenomenon which we can all hear, right? Um, Notice how the shift, and that shift itself almost is like a, is itself like a signal, right? Um, This line is different. It's different in every way. It's different because it's shorter, right it's different because the rhythm works differently instead of stress beat stress you know or or you know down beat down beat bump, bump bump, bump. we're getting bump 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 bump, and we go right back to the i m s right after that really strong trokey trokey uh in that one line and get that 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 deviation that variation is almost stands as that kind of an invitation. Both the shortness of the line and the shift in the meter uh, manages, I think, uh, to uh, to to convey that. Um, in a cave in the hills, he dwelt alone, and meat was hard to come <laughs> by. By the way, one of the other consequences of my learning the tune to this song is now it's almost impossible for me to read it without <laughs> singing it. Uh, so I I I, <laughs> I hope you can handle that. Um, uh, yeah. Mad violence. Well, okay. You're right that there are a lot of anapests scattered throughout. In one sense, that is one of the chief variations, one of the chief irregularities of the line are those extra, those extra sort of anapestic beats, right? But, um, I, I, in general, I. I I had a um a wonderful grad school professor who taught me almost everything I know about uh reading poetry really I learned more about reading poetry from uh from this man than from anybody else I ever studied with and um one of the things that he was very insistent about he would jump on us if anybody in the room said cuz you know one of the ways in which you know like English professors and stuff when they talk about poetry often there was there was they will say something like well there's an anapestic substitution in this line right the second iambic foot is replaced by an anapestic substitution like that's the way that, that 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 we tend to talk about that kind of thing um but professor taylor my old professor was very firm on this point and he was like there is no such thing as a substitution it's like you've got once you establish the beat the beat is there and the beat is constant the line might change Right. Um, You can vary from the beat and that variation might sound like an anapest, but you're not changing to anapest. Right. And don't pretend that you are. Right. So don't don't confuse things by saying, oh, it lapses into anapest for a moment and then comes back. No, it's iambic all the way through. It's just that um, that that difference between um, the the stress of the line and the uh, the technical Term is the ictus, uh, uh, old Greek word I think. Uh, the ictus meaning like that, like once you set the metronome going, right? That keeps going in the background and it doesn't stop through the whole poem, right? Unless, un- uh, you know, unless you get a shift like the the shift to trochee in that one line, or like the shift to trochee in the in the uh, in the one ring to rule them all, or the, rather the shift to ams, excuse me, in the one ring to rule them all line. Um, it, is it is it Latin? I couldn't remember Tom, um, but anyway. So, you, you know, my, my old professor always used to talk about the ictus and the stress, right? And those two things are not the same. Once you establish the metronome, the expectation, what your ear is tuned to now, right? You become more sensitive to the stress of the, the actual stress of the line, especially when it differs from that, the expectation that the beat has built in our heads, right? So you do hear those things that do sound like, uh, like anapests, uh, Mad violinist again. Those those moments which come off as syncopation, right? Um, in I think some some really some really fun ways. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, some people have been asking here about, um. The difference between song and poem. Between writing a song and writing a poem. I am contemplating... I am contemplating... How much to duck that question. I would say... Only a little bit. Okay, I won't duck it entirely. There are different... Okay. All right. What I would say about it is this. The further... Hmm. I'll say it a different way. The less you intend a poem to be read aloud the less a poem is an oral performance the f- the greater is going to be the gap between song and poem um yeah the more your poem is meant to be heard and chanted the less of a difference there's going to be, the less of a gap there's going to be between song and poem. Um, Most modern poems, most of which are written in free verse, are very unlike songs because they're not meant to be read aloud. They're not meant to be heard in the same way. They don't have the same rhythm. They don't have the same, well, music about them. Um, But that's not... um, that's not how Tolkien wrote poems. And notice many of the songs um, uh, many of the songs that or many of the poems rather that we've been talking about comparatively few of them have been recited right Um, and not sung at all right. Many of them a big percentage of them have also been songs. And I don't see a huge... Um, a huge difference, really. Um, <laughs> several people saying, that's why I dislike most modern poetry. I'm trying to be fair. I am not a fan of free verse myself, either. Um, uh, yeah, I also prefer... Uh, poetry with a beat. As you could probably tell, Um, but anyway, um, yeah. So obviously, one of the one of the biggest differences when you're talking about a song, a song written by a songwriter, like by a songwriter and composer, there is an interrelationship between music and word, and music and rhythm of the line, which is part of the of the art, right? And which, so therefore, if you're just reading it off the page, or even possibly if you're just even singing it with your own voice, it's not the same, right? You're just, you're not getting the full thing. And that I certainly acknowledge. I certainly recommend, Um, uh, you know, that I, I, that's, that's, that is a different art form. Um, But I definitely, um, uh, yeah. Um, but I don't think they're necess- that like that that just as verbal artifacts, poem and song, I think are necessarily very different. Again, we see it, right? We can see it, and you know, is there? I don't find a huge difference really between the songs which we're told the Hobbits are singing, even singing to tunes that are as old as the Hills, which, by the way, you'll remember that Tolkien introduced, you know, he said uh, um, he began to sing to an old tune. And, of course, Tolkien does sing it to an old tune, a tune that was old in his time, right? Um, And so there are other times when we're told that they sing songs to, it, like, a tune that's as old as the Hills, which makes me think, like... There's probably a tune that Tolkien had in mind, but I don't know what it is, and I really want to. Um, But anyway, Um, yeah, Tony, I do, that seems like a phenomenon I've observed. Tony says, as a songwriter, generally melody comes first, and the words serve the melody. Yes, as is often the case as is often observable when you try to take them. I mean, if you, if you try to sit back and think through the words of many songs, even good songs that you really like, um, often they don't really stand up to sort of poetic scrutiny. Um, sometimes they do, and that, to me, is what separates a really, really good songwriter um, uh, uh, from a, a less brilliant one. But you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it works differently for different people. Steve is saying it works differently for him. can totally see that. Um, But, um, yeah. Anyway, um, (laughs) Bruce says, I think Tom Bombadil's songs are literally as old as the Hills. Yeah, yeah, probably true. Uh, Tom Bombadil has certainly been singing Tom Bombadillo uh, for as long as the Hills have been around, no question. Um, Yeah, anyway, um. all right I don't want myself to go too far, too much further down that tangent. But I mean, I, I do think it's an interesting question. I do my. The reason I wanted to address it is that I I, I have heard that kind of thing before. I've heard. Uh, I used I used to I used to do this thing where in my uh, in my freshman English class, I used to let my students uh, nominate and elect a song. I'm like, so we're we're doing poetry. I'm like. You guys want to talk about it? So, do do you have a favorite song whose words you think are really interesting? Let's let's do it. So, I would I I would never I wouldn't know the song at all, right? I would let them nominate. But I did a totally democratic process. They would choose a song, um, and uh, and you know I I you know bring in the lyrics and and we 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 do a poetic analysis of the song, which was often really funny. Um, that is funny in the sense that like the the lyrics didn't really stand up to it at all. Um, Though interestingly, forty percent of the time, two out of the five years I did this, so that's four out of the ten times I did this. Um, they elected Beatles songs. Actually, we <laughs> we we did a lot of Beatles. Um, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, yeah. Um, anyhow digressing now um but again so but this this uh, this thing that i've heard before in that context and in others that like oh like songs and poetry are different things anyway i just wanted to kind of talk about it because it's true there's there are there are definitely differences um but um but they're not they're not i think totally different things okay i am One of the reasons I was indulging in this tangent is that I knew I was not going to have time to really go through the song stanza by stanza, so we're going to save that for the beginning of next time. As I say, not going to spend as long on that as we spent on the Baron and Luthien poem, though, as James Liebeck was teasing me earlier, that doesn't set a very tight upward bound on the amount of time we're going to spend on it. Um, But um, uh, anyway, uh, so... Uh, we're um, uh, uh, we'll, we'll we'll come back and we'll look at this we'll look at the uh, sort of the evolution of this poem from its earliest version from the songs for the philologists uh, uh, and then we'll look at Sam's version of the song um, and so we'll spend probably a good bit of next week uh, talking about the, the, the uh, details of the troll song um, uh, thinking about it a little bit more and especially how it works in one of the questions that I want to be trying to answer here is why does Sam sing this song? That is, or what is Sam does have a lot stored in his head, right? What's Sam up to here? You know, he says these old images made him think of it, right? So yeah, so stones and trolls, and you can sort of see the segue in, in Sam's mind, right? But um, what does Sam like about this song? Why does he sing it here? And secondly, and kind of relatedly, I think. What does Tolkien love about this song? Why is this one of his favorite songs? Which I think it's pretty clear that it is. Um, But, um, yeah. Okay. Um, Good. Okay. All right. So let's... um, It's field trip time. So I'm going to stop there. We'll come back and we'll do the troll song next time. And we'll look at the uh, 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 Pero and Podex, as I think it's called. Um, uh, And uh, we'll do our field trip. So I'm going to say goodbye to folks on Twitter. Thanks for uh, joining me today, Twitter folks. Sorry, I didn't have the song piped through to my phone. That was the one form that I didn't get it in at all. But anyway, we made it work. So thanks, Twitter folks. See you guys next week. All right. Good evening. Good evening.
2: Not I coming in okay this week?
0: Yeah, I think so. Let me, awesome. let me just double check. So, yeah,
2: you, you had mentioned you were wondering why he was changing the name Tim to Jim. And yeah. he, it's like the only thing I could think of is the phrase. Uh, sorry, John. Uh, Tom to John, sorry. Yeah. The only thing I could think of was it immediately came to, bra- uh, to my brain was the phrase up jump John, which I think would <laughs> right. appeal to yeah. Tolkien more than ump-jump
0: Tom. Right, though one of the things that really surprised me is actually he takes out one of the um uh he takes out one of the alliterations in his revisions like he unalliterated yeah, yeah. it. Um the shank of the yeah. shin, which is why I said that yeah. line wrong, because I love that line, the shank of the shin I of love my shank of the shin
2: of my own and he changed it shin, to the,
0: yeah. leg or the, shin. Um, the leg of the shin um, yeah which I think the distinction, right? Like when you're saying the leg or the shin, it's about, uh, like meat versus bone, right? The leg would be the meat, and the because it's the same part of the leg, right? The the leg is the the leg below the knee. We're
2: getting into lamb versus mutton
0: territory. Well, yes. sort of, right? But I, you know, with with the yes, with the leg or the shin of my father's kin um, suggests I, I. But anyway, I was still shocked shocked that he (laughs) took out the alliteration um just did not know how to handle that (sighs) but anyway there we are all right um okay so we are on finn we are on crick hollow tonight so we're gonna go so do we have low level folks with us do we have anybody Uh, who is going to be especially toothsome to uh large trolls and...
2: Well, I think we're good in here.
0: I think we're good. Looks like we've got level 41 as our smallest, I think.
2: hmm So, might be aggro, but we can definitely help them and they won't yeah. be an insta-kill.
0: Right, right.
2: Okay. It won't be like when I tried to rock to Rohan at level 50.
0: Right, exactly. That
2: did not go well.
0: Right, or when I first visited Athelion at level, like, 70.
2: Yeah, that's when I discovered roving threats back then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Okay. And right. I think I have my uh, pet set on Assault Everything mode, so that's good. Okay. Yeah, alright. Cool. So let us head out.
2: Going to the Trollshaws via Oskeroth again?
0: Yeah, I think that's probably... We don't really... It's hard to go anywhere but Rivendell and the Trollshaws from um, anywhere else. We-
2: yeah, once we see, uh, once we see the twins, I think we'll have a better stable.
0: Thing yes. it's not
2: always accepted.
0: Yes. And even from there, I mean, you can get yeah. to other places from there, but you can't get to there from very many places, like outside of. Yeah.
2: Uruguay, it's like it's the wilderness or something.
0: <laughs> no, right? Like, come on. What is this? I'm making all for though?
2: authenticity, but this is ridiculous. <laughs>
0: making the wilderness inaccessible. It's crazy. Okay. Um, experiencing some Breton lag. Okay. Alright. Um, yep, yep. Okay, so... I thinks we can get there from Oscar Ruth once we have the Stable Master. Okay. Well, maybe. Maybe so.
2: Doesn't hurt to check.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. (laughs) Finn, you're only a level 15 on Crick Hollow. Yeah, this would be a tough place to come. We're going to (laughs) uh, to, the dangerous part of the Trollshaws, basically. This is
2: where the deer start to beat you up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, That was
2: another shock going in.
0: <laughs> right.
2: But it makes sense, though, because fall is when deer get crazy. <laughs> that's, no, I'm serious. That's hey, running season. Yeah, right, that's when the, the bucks are all just homicidal nuts.
0: Right. Makes I get them fighting
2: sense. on my lawn some mornings. So it's really what scary. I have to like, keep telling the kids, okay, if it comes to this, if we go back inside and tell mom to call school and say, you're going to be late because there's right. bucks fighting on the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> That are the bears in the trash again,
0: you know? <laughs> okay. uh, All right, oh, Commander Wilkins is saying so there is a horse to Thorin Had from Oscar Ruth. Okay. Yes. Well, let's see. There we is go. There... Well. Well. But. What do you want? First of all, it's only a slow pony, so that's not.
2: Well, also, not everyone has that destination. You have to discover yeah. it, so. Yeah.
0: And anyway, I hate.
2: Maybe next time. <laughs> I hate
0: stable mastering straight to a place we haven't explored yet. Yes. All right. All right. So let's. What's that? Let's just head out on horseback. Anyway, I'm wanting to explore the distant wilds of the Trollshaws today. We don't. well, we'll I want to see if I can arrange to get to Thornhud next time. Okay. And then we'll meet the twins. Definitely those were very high on my like in my fanboy moments in Lotro, <laughs> yes, was getting yeah, to meet yeah, Elrond and Elrod here. That was yeah. definitely a big deal. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that one, uh, Elrond and Glorfindel were like my big, you
0: mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm.
2: After the glow of meeting Gandalf and Aragorn, it died down.
0: <laughs> right, right. Though in some ways, I think for me, what made uh meeting Eladon and Elro here in game even cooler is that although it is I mean like I'm not trying to say it's not awesome to be interacting with Aragorn and, and Gandalf especially the way that the game arranges for you to be um uh interacting with Aragorn especially you know the way that you get uh-huh. like you know Strider the Ranger um you get like the inside right as he's trying to deal with the hobbits and you know the hobbits are coming in you know this this kind of insider feeling that you get with like helping strider yeah. and the rangers is yeah. very you're cool.
2: in
0: the club yeah exactly
2: but even if they're you know really lazy or something <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. but the thing is that um Aragorn and Gandalf like it's cool to interact with them but you interact with them in every Lord of the Rings game ever made, right? Yeah, you know yeah I mean, like, yeah. that's a very standard Tolkien video game experience. Whereas, meeting Eladon and Elro here is not a standard Lord of the Rings video game no, experience. that's, that's true. <laughs> so, um, just one of those moments of, like, really cool depth. Um, uh, the, the kind of depth that you get in Lotro that you so rarely get uh in uh, in other games i'm not saying it's absolutely unique but um uh but still pretty awesome
2: yeah no i'm in total agreement with that and it, yeah. it, it is fun to see what everyone else is doing it's like we know the main characters we know all that but it's fun to hear the stories of who else was doing what where and yeah knowing what we know of you know their, their goals and stuff of course you know you meet them it's like ah we're gonna beat stuff up
0: right right
2: This is not going to be a research (laughs) question.
0: Hey, so where's that, where is that set of ruins with all of the, like, um, like the cave claws? And that, like the place with the, where you rescue the dwarf? I think we missed that
2: Uh, last time. I think that's... See,
0: there's that ruin that we did find, the one that we can see just through the trees across the way here. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Do we have to keep going?
2: Uh, yeah, well, let's see what we got here. I haven't discovered everything on this alt, so... Yeah. I don't have all the flags. Um, but yeah, there's like a... Like, everywhere there's a hill, there's there's some sort of ruin. Yeah. I want to say it's around here, but I'm not
0: positive. Yeah. I just, you know, I I would hate to miss a ruin.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Yeah, I remember yeah. Zach is being just north of the road, but I I kind of I was surprised I was missing it the last time I was up here. It, yeah,
2: there's a there's a bender who stuck up on this hill somewhere too, right?
0: Hmm. No, uh, this
2: is the dead end. Oh, dead. I always hit this one. I always hit this one.
0: Oh uh, yeah, hmm, okay. it's like the
2: next one in or something. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little bit further to the east, right? A little
2: bit. I don't want to get can't lost. in this
0: reason. way. We can't get too lost. Okay, yes, you can. But
2: yeah, I just did it. You know,
0: <laughs> right?
2: Look at me. I'm a genius. You know. Let's see. So my superpower is getting totally lost and separated from the group.
0: Hmm. Yeah, now I'm in the middle of the. Tr- I'm pointed entirely in the wrong direction. That's really sad. Okay, there was a cave claw. That's promising. Mm-hmm. Boy, this place was not that hard to find, as I recall.
2: That's because I followed my arrow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I was following a quest arrow when I got there. Is it? No. This is not the same dead end, is it? It probably is. Good grief.
2: Well, I'm up here. Yeah, Ostirgon. This is the one we were at last time. It was the first hill. It was the first bunch of runes we saw in the first hill.
0: Hmm. Okay. This is the one with
2: the dwarf and the cape claws.
0: All right. let's keep going to the then. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Boomful's m- uh, mocking me. So yeah, much. I think
2: there's a there's a whole group separated from you, and they're following me. So
0: hang on. Awesome. Yeah, I just I I found the road again, and I'm uh... okay.
2: I will head back to the road. I presume this kind of looks like a road.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm going back to the road. Because can't you, like, actually see it from the road? Or something like that?
2: Well, the, f- the first ruins, yes. It's near the first big white stone.
0: Okay. Hmm. Okay i'm gonna keep going here
2: can you follow me i'm having trouble figuring out where you are
0: uh, who who are you on again tonight
2: I'm um, kofi k h o f i thank you okay. oh man i was way off okay <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> we're just trying to. We're like we're like a quarter mile oh. apart. That's that's fine.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, right. I'm, I'm continuing to move down the road here. Okay. Well, I think this is the place where the trolls are. A uh, trapdoor. Or I'm, just. I've come up trolley to the, looking. No, I think I've, I'm. I'm coming up to the. Yes. Like the southern approach to the troll, glade. Yes. Which means we've missed. Well, okay, forget it. I'm abandoning yeah. that ruin. <laughs> forget it. Yeah, because down this, up this channel here is the way. Yeah, to yeah, the yeah. Trolls.
2: That's where the that's where the troll glade is.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's just go through that way. Back to where we were last week on the way to the Troll Gate because we came down to the Troll Glade deliberately from the north last time uh, in order to follow the path of the narrative. All right, and there we are. Right There's with our the buddies. Trolls. All right, who we spent some time with last week.
2: It's going to be interesting to have troll songs stuck in my head after having all Christmas songs stuck in my head for a week. <laughs> <That's
0: great. laughs> oh, it's good for you.
2: Well, yeah, but it's also this is when we hear the most like old English folk tales and we start hearing songs like The Boar's Head or The Wren or
0: It's true. Good King Wenceslas.
2: Good King Wenceslas, the one that everyone knows like the first two lines and then whatever. know which
0: always bothered me because it's like one of the only Christmas carols that's an actual narrative, you know? And it's yeah. the one that people only ever know like they always stop yeah, the, singing the at, minute
2: you get past Winter's Fuel. It's like, "Okay, I think I remember the the words to a car jingle after that." But
0: right. You know. And people are all always like, so, "Yeah, I'm like, so, okay, so Good King Wenceslas looks out and like, you know, sees a poor man walking along." The end. Like yeah. it's a it's the worst story ever. Um, yeah, I know. So actually, when I was, like, f- 13 or 14, I was like, this is lame. And so I, like, memorized the, f- like, five or six verses of Good King Wenceslas. And then, like, we, we always have, my family always does this, like, annual, like, Christmas carol sing we do every year. Um, oh, yeah. So, like, ever since I was 13 or 14 now, I've been, like, you know. Uh, yeah leading the, like, remnant of the singing of Good King, but it's a fun traditional, uh, good traditional English yeah. song.
2: Oh, I, I come from a family of people who are traditionally in high school madrigal choirs. So. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, totally got that, but yeah. yeah, it's like me as a kid trying to figure out the chorus to Boar's Head and then realizing many years later it was in Latin. That was pretty fun. Right. Caput apri de perro, and domino... Like, I had no clue what I was singing when I was six, but it wasn't that.
0: Right, right. Okay, so there's a ruin on this hill, which, can I just say, is obviously a highly defensible position. Um, Especially since from, like, coming from the south, we've got to flank it all the way around.
2: Oh, yeah, this is a heck of a bottleneck to slow down
0: to be able to get, not to mention the giant spiders, but even ignoring the giant spiders, it is extremely difficult to get to this ruin at all.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, and we have finally hit ruin, so we get paving stones. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Look at these guys.
2: Like the only way to approach this, you'd have to do the Great Burnham Wood to tie Dunsinane Hill kind of thing to get up here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, what is this? Is So, this is a little intermediate. Yes. Oh, look, there are stairs. Oh, look at this. this is nice. So, yes. this was. Oh, a,
2: remember, at some point, we we're supposed to look at troll clothing uh, to see if they were. You know, so far we have the loincloth brigade, yeah. but I think we were supposed to look and see if another people had, like, vests and a hat or something.
0: Right. Right, and I was interested in these sort of bark-like things that are seem to be they look growing like out trugians. of their, yeah, yeah, they look like they're actually attached and growing Camouflage. out Camouflage.
2: Oh, we got some violence going on anyways, here. Let's
0: I guess seem to be near the violence. Assist. Um. Anyways, hang on a second. Where are we in relation? Okay, we're pointing. Does this just end in a cliff or something? I think it's steps. Yeah, there's steps. Okay, and but that's where we were just walking down around low, the lower level. Yes, yes. So this is just a paved path with steps. With a this gazebo. is really nice. Yeah, with a, and this it, is, leads to the gazebo.
2: This is a beautiful vista. This isn't a fortress. Yeah.
0: So it was. A, I mean, I, I mean, I said it was highly defensible, which obviously it is, and this is still, yes, cliff on all sides, right? So this is. Rudaurin, right? I almost missed the enormous oh, yep,
2: yep, yep. We're, we're
0: crown that we're standing on there. Um But yeah, this doesn't have any of the like this is clearly where you hold like your summer parties, right? Not where you post your guards to look at. Yeah, out.
2: no. This is this is we're in mint julep land over here.
0: Yeah, exactly. And especially this path leading to it, right? we've got this beautifully sort of flagged, you know, flagstone path and these sweeping staircases
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and the giant columns with, I guess, what, arches? Would there have been arches? They're in pairs, which suggests maybe arches, though we don't see any remnants of arch.
2: Colonnade.
0: Yeah. Um... So yeah, well Boomful exactly. It's their highly their highly defensible picnic spot. And I it makes me wonder though, Boomful, here's what I'm wondering. Which came first, right? Um, yeah. was this chosen as a beauty spot because of the outlook? Um, and then, of course, as the Civil War broke out, it was then taken advantage of, right, as a defensive position. Um or did it work the other way around? You know, was it a defensive position, which they were like, but while we're here, let's, you know, do something And we've seen beautiful. a couple
2: of examples of that in uh, North Downs, of uh, luxury palaces that were later refitted to withstand uh, right. guards and stuff.
0: Right, exactly. I would tend to think that the beauty came first, especially with the Rudaurans, right? Yes. You would I mean, it,
2: it is, apart from, yeah, it's it's, it's gorgeous up here.
0: Ooh, why the different oh, stone?
2: Wooden beam? No, that's a wooden beam there, isn't it? Or is it stone? This. It well, can't, it's a trestle of some kind. I don't think I've seen a mm. stone trestle before in game. Weird. That is really weird. Yeah, it looks like wood.
0: And, and again, obviously, we know that the stairs leading up to there is part of the old construction, but that just, like, the difference in the stone there looks...
2: Yeah, it's pinkish.
0: Oh, I was like, what is that dark spot underneath? Oh, it's the shadow of the troll who's standing on top of it. I see. <laughs> yeah, but that'll do. It looks like... So are we supposed to imagine that this is a later construction? If so, this is too. Same thing. Same yes. style, same coloring of stone.
2: Like a barracks, maybe?
0: And see, here you can see it actually kind of spliced on, right? Mm -hmm. Mingled with the older architecture.
2: Yeah, this is meant to be some sort of armory or barracks or something military.
0: It's newer, but it's not brand new.
2: It's also not pretty. It's kind of boxy and awful.
0: Boxy and awful is right. I mean, this is kind of like a very large, but still slightly wrecked shoebox
2: function not form
0: yeah and here we are again overlooking that path we are looking due south right in the direction we came so that's the cleft we came through from the trolls goate I think
2: so this might be a watchtower then
0: yeah so what did they make like a guard room up here
2: yeah guard room training room and notice these windows over here are really narrow. You could fire both through here and not get hit.
0: Wait, which ones?
2: And some of these, some of these, like this this window over oh, here. Right, there's a yeah. bigger gap here, but yeah. this is definitely meant for one person to stand and stand a chance of not getting hurt.
0: Are these walls ruined or just shoddy? Well, I, I think f-
2: both. But yeah, you can see there's broken columns here. So. Yeah might have been a rush job.
0: Or something put together with broken pieces? I don't know.
2: We don't know how it fell. It might have fallen before it fell into disuse.
0: Right. Might have burned down, fallen over, and then sank into the swamp. Um,
2: Or it might have just been badly done in the first place because it was rushed.
0: Yeah, but see, you can see the original, the older architecture is much more... <clears throat> um much more formal over function, right? I mean, look, this is the edge of the cliff overseeing the path down to the beauty spot, right? Down oh, to the I fall over there. Yeah. Down to the gazebo. <laughs> um uh-huh. and it's just lined with this you know, this colonnade and this set of arches, right? There's no walls. I mean, you've got huge cliffs, right? So you don't absolutely need yeah. walls, but still entries. It's traditional right to um uh it's traditional to still have walls even at the top of cliffs when you're building but again it's just it's not obvious that they were thinking primarily of defense here yeah originally the older architecture so uh, interesting yeah, yeah. that we have the two different la- uh, layers yeah the, layers here.
2: i do see there's some sort of gallery down there or something
0: and especially with, going back to the map for a second, if we look where we are uh-huh. and think not so where we are north and south, first of all, that's well north of the road and as we've seen uh, in the worst case, thinking from a Rudauran standpoint, right, what was a worst case from a Rudowran <laughs> standpoint um, the, nor- the, 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 the road was always the southern frontier, right? So we're well behind that but at the same time <clears throat> As we saw here in the Trollshaws on this side of the river, all of the ruins, north and south, have been Rudauran ruins. Yeah. So, um, this spot, therefore, certainly in the old realm of Rudaur, would be um, well behind the front lines. So, even though this oh, yeah. is you know, this sort of ideal place to kind of fort up. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't sound to Let's continue. Given its pro-
2: proximity it. to the mountains, this might be the summer place. This might be well, the place you go in the summer to escape the heat.
0: <laughs> that's just what I'm thinking. I mean, it looks... It reminds me... And I don't mean this by architectural style exactly, but it kind of reminds me of a numinous a little bit in the sense of not... Even though being on defensible country, it's not, it doesn't have that sense of being primarily defensible. Poor defense. Oh, look, a stable. Look at that.
2: Yep.
0: It's Thornio. She's going to
2: tell us not to go into the necropolis.
0: Right. Which we should totally do. Yeah, Um, we totally should go into the necropolis. Hmm. Necropolis or further north? Ah, eh, let's uh, go to the necropolis. We're right here.
2: Yeah, we were we're here already, so
0: now, hang on a second, wait though, I'm going the wrong way.
2: Wait, uh, did, did we go in the right way? I thought it was
0: It's Rao, oh, it's up around the corner and Yeah, yeah, yeah. In which way? Turn it.
2: Past the spiders, I think.
0: Oh Take whatever I'm cups. sorry, I'm I'm in the wrong place. I'm thinking of the wrong place.
2: Oh. Oh, you're right.
0: I was thinking is of this other else? one over here, the nan the main Natornife stable master Yes
2: oh yeah, no this isn't this isn't toni this is
0: uh yeah, that's what I was thinking one of person. okay, yes, right yes okay, now I'm remembering okay, who this is okay, so yeah, so let's go north let's continue going north into more and more dangerous uh the
2: woven veils
0: the woven veils so-called just because they're overrun with giant spiders presumably spider spider webs yes right okay yeah and the giant spider thing I mean from the um, you know from the shire on we get this sort of understandable overuse of giant spiders In Montreal. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you know it's like there's no two ways about it I mean, it's overuse, right? There just cannot be this many uh, giant spiders. Um, Anguotari, yeah. Yeah, but again, they are like legitimately, you know, Tolkienian monsters. So, um,
2: yeah.
0: hang on, but there's a statue down here. So we have to. Yes, there we, is. Oh, oh we have Big Cliff. I, we don't have to. Do we get to? Will we survive? Is there another <laughs> way to get there? Pretty dangerous you I fist. see now, but we can see from here. That's the headless right. top of gazebo statue.
2: Oh yep, 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 with a Rudarn symbol at the bottom.
0: Which we normally don't get to see this closely. They're normally hard to see.
2: Yeah, of course, that's kinda fun. We
0: would be seeing him from behind it looks like. Or does it? I wish we could zoom in a little bit closer there.
2: That's, that's Headless Gazebo Man
0: again. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and we've been seeing headless statues on top of gazebos ever since the North Downs, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so...
2: I think the deciding factor is whether there's the lotus motif or the vine motif inside...
0: Yeah. Oops, okay. So one of the <clears throat> one of the things that I'm wondering now have we seen examples of those statues on top of gazebos that were not Rudauran? We have, haven't we? Uh, I think it's so. It's like an I'm Arnorian to... thing, not it's a,
2: yeah, a, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was a good depiction. I think it was a good depiction of a king. All right. Didn't we say it was like the good PR king statue?
0: Oh, like the one that we saw? Well, there's some big yeah. ruins across the way, so let's see if we can circle around.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that oh, horses.
0: Gosh, I don't even remember going through I don't remember here. that view.
2: I don't remember that view, but I do remember oh, running yeah. in here by accident and being like, ah, dead things.
0: Okay, another cliff.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I obviously went in here by a different route.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember, and it's funny because I definitely did a I did a completionist. Trollshaws, with one of my alts, on Landril. Yeah. But, I don't remember spending much time here in the Wovendales.
2: Me neither. <laughs> it was kind of one of those let's do what I have to and then get out and not spend time exploring.
0: Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh Now, we've got a curtain wall with a gate. Uh Now, this is a defensive fortification. Where are we? Okay. We're on the... So, this is the west gate. Yes. Of this valley. And so, presumably prior to the days when gigantic spiders took up their residence here, uh-huh. This was like a pass through the hills that approached this place from this direction, so I'm expecting like a city behind yeah. here, probably. Again, especially. I mean, this is nestled up in the mountains, way behind anything. Even when there were enemy lines, way behind enemy lines. So we are, we are like uh-huh. near the inner circles of the rudaran homeland. Obviously, rudaran so, and yes, so here we get the not... The necess- Westgate
2: is the best gate. The
0: Westgate. Oh, who's... Is this, a, is this a boss spider? Yeah, it is. The trapdoor spider.
2: Oh, cool. oh, that's what made me cry. <laughs> I froze for a minute there. I think there was too much going on there.
0: Okay. Oh, boy. What is in that enormous cocoon? Is there like a horse in there uh, or something? It's bigger than event. a horse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't... Wow. Okay. Um, Best not to
2: know, perhaps. Might be one of these big fireworms that are all cold worms or something. Oh,
0: whatever. yeah, yeah, the worms. Maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah, this is reminding me of... Um, like the ruined city in... Uh, You know, the uh, the Cardawani city down in the Harloway. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Um, in the sense of just being this kind of maze of, but without feeling like a real concentric uh, um, defense. But okay, we're inside. No, we've faced. Wait, we've come out west.
2: Yeah, again? now we're in? Yeah, but now we can go see the gazebo.
0: Right, because now we can descend to the lower level here. Uh huh. Okay, oh, back to the woven veils. Whoa. Just hit a tree. Okay. All right, I keep seeing things that I think are interesting things, and then they're just spider webs. <laughs> I thought oh, it was mist. Yeah, Beldernick is thinking maybe uh, uh, it could be a troll in those giant webs. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so. Okay. I'm not sure they'd get where's, much out of it. Can you get
2: blood from a stone? Yeah. That's the that's question. Right.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, the spiders have apparently tested that uh, empirically. Okay, yep. It's a classic artichoke gazebo with headless statue on top.
2: What is with the weird purple egg sac here? I've never seen a purple egg sac.
0: It's very purple. The, pur- the eggs are bright purple. That does look weird.
2: It's like Frankenberry spider eggs.
0: Yeah. Weird. Okay, let's try to... I think if we continue this way, we can go up. Uh-huh. Yes, I think There's so. There's a wall uh-huh. up there. Maybe one of the ones that we were just seeing from the other side.
2: Could have sworn we'd have met a, a white by now. By thinking about a different set of runes or something?
0: Yeah, I think the ones with the dead people are the ones that are off to the east. Because uh, these are where we're get. Um, I've been waiting for us to run into wood trolls. Ah, the Gladolph. Now this is, what I, was, yes, yep, this is what I was. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Wood
2: trolls. For. Yeah.
0: The wood. These trolls. are tough guys, if I recall. They are. Yes. Now these guys, I fought all the time. <laughs> I spent plenty of time in the Guadalf doing quests. Well,
2: I, I kept trying to get the exploration deed out here and getting my butt kicked. Yeah. The one called the trap door out here or something?
0: Yeah, now the wood... Um, the wood trolls... I mean, I think we've talked about them before. I mean... It's an interesting kind of taking up of the idea that is raised by Treebeard ultimately in the book, right? About yes. Trolls and Ents and, you know, how these are like the... You know, kind of, and this is our... Speaking of Cousins of Ents, right, we've got a... Yeah. Got animated but it also
2: takes on too. an elemental aspect like there can be trolls for, for stone as well as for wood as well as for ice.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and I don't know, I mean the fact is we don't really know much about trolls hmm. but now, do we have any more ruins down here? There's that cave right, that you have to go yes. to that absolutely infuriating cave that you have to go to at the yes. beginning of volume 3
2: <laughs> Yes
0: Which I think is what's up this direction
2: Uh, oh you mean the epic quest? No, that's near closer to the Brunin fort, I believe
0: No, there's one way up here. I definitely remember having to go up through the Gladden in order to get there.
2: Oh, but whoa! Oh, we're we're gonna have to get on feet. There's just there's too much.
0: Oh, are we getting?
2: Yeah, we're getting mobbed. (laughs) Okay, kind of do it, Cotton. now to find out what all these buttons do.
0: <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, Pontine. I am sure that the cave for Volume 3 is up here somewhere. I don't need to <laughs> necessarily find it, because I'm not sure we could even go in without the quest. But... Uh, without the quest, yeah. But I was pretty sure up in the... Dim northern regions of the Elf up here is where you find that one. Because those quests are memorable because hideously infuriating. <laughs> there at the beginning.
2: I don't remember any of these little bodies of water here.
0: Well, oh, yeah, they, and they've got this the <laughs> mist clinging to them. Which I think is meant to convey, like, the corruption. Yep. Of it's the whole our... region, right?
2: Oh, yeah, it gets dark under here. That's where we start to see some.
0: Yeah, trying to get down to the water here.
2: Yeah, yeah. Up tree.
0: Yeah. I don't even have my. Sorry. I have a summon my can here. Who can help out with giant trees and stuff? nothing like a lynx leaping out of ambush on a tree, <laughs> yeah, I really like this, so we don't we're not seeing something like the red water, right, yeah, nor do we see any evidence of actual like elemental corruption like the um uh, like ob- the uh... yeah,
2: we got some bog lurkers okay, for that Bog too.
0: lurkers, yeah. Um, and what was their adjective? oh this is just peat creeper it doesn't say okay they don't get a proper adjective um
2: <laughs> for all that we know they we just annoyed them
0: <laughs> yeah um yeah, so the, there's not the same sense but isn't there um vague memories now from the uh my qu- but yeah twisted wood troll there's definitely a sense of corruption in through here
2: mm-hmm yeah there's a dark archway up there indicating there's gonna be even darker stuff
0: yeah wait archway
2: yeah up the up the hill up here there's this it sort of goes into it goes on almost underground or into a, some sort of cove
0: hmm I missed that
2: nope, I'm stuck
0: <laughs> Are you were rooted yes. way up into the corner, up here.
2: Way up here. You see all these really dark leaf trees over here?
0: Oh, aha, uh-huh. Right. Ooh. Yeah, I did miss this.
2: Yeah. I don't know how deep you can get into this, but...
0: I... have I ever been here before?
2: Me neither. I don't this? think I have either. I the like leaves look weird.
0: They look really weird. I feel like I'm going to emerge something. from this tunnel into fairyland here. What
2: is it? Or it's fungus.
0: It's like fungus? trees got
2: rust or something. It looks like when trees get rust, you get these little weird sort of and tumor it? balls that's it? It's a on. dead end? It's just it? A dead end? Oh, I feel so ripped off. But it's dark and menacing.
0: <laughs> oh, Commander Wilkins says this is where you go with Legolas to fight the boss battle in the epic line. Oh, sweet. Okay. I guess I think I, I spent every time I've done that battle with Legolas, I spent so much time just desperately chasing after Legolas that I didn't really
2: oh, yeah, pay yeah. attention
0: to Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all about survival at that point. You get yeah. tunnel Right, okay, so that's where the Troll and the Nazgul are, right. Okay. Okay, okay. okay so it's an area Good designed to, to serve the epic quest line. Got it. All right. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, so this is...
2: It, it so, was sunny then, that's why I don't
0: recognize it. Right. So up here in the Gladoff, what we're getting is the like the general corruption of nature thing. But it's interesting to me that we're seeing that... So we don't get many fortifications. We saw those two ruins, right? One of which was in this brilliant defensive position. Uh, and this other of which was set up in the midst of this, uh, you know, uh, like mountain Valley with steep passes and things. The latter one does have fortifications, but we seem to be in like a population center. And even in this vacation spot, as we were seeing, uh, for the (laughs) Rudaurans, um, but there's this sense, and again, I love the that the way that they do this in Lotro, which is a very sort of Tolkienian thing, right? is this sense of this sense of fall, the sense of loss, right? that um, I think we can get a glimpse from the region. I just think of how beautiful this area must have been, right? with these pools and the forests and the mountains and the gigantic trees um, before whatever happened here happened, right? before it went bad. Uh, there, in, there's
2: still a little sense of beauty and there were getting an interesting sunrise over there
0: yeah i mean it's there certainly is still a rugged attractiveness to the place it's not like warped and hideous like Gartha Garwin. um
2: we don't get those weird green clouds
0: <laughs> yeah exactly um right like we were up in angmar um yeah but um but anyway we can see you know what this and remember that you know rudaur was the um um Was the, I mean, it's the, you know, the, its name suggests it was like the the kingdom of the forest. Right. Um, Uh so it's up here always strikes me as something that was like, um, uh, you know, something that was, you know, this is very near, you know, like the, the hidden heart of the old realm of Rudar. um, and, you know, it's fun kind of imagining it before it was corrupted. But again, that sense of loss, which Lotro does well, and which, of course, Tolkien did very, very well of, you know, imagining, seeing and imagining that which was great and which has um, which has since fallen, right? Which has uh, um, uh, either passed away or been actively corrupted over time. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, this is like, uh, this is, so this area is what, like, uh, like the Athelian of Rudauer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, neat. Okay, so actually, even like the scarcity of ruins in this particular area is kind of fun, actually, suggesting that, you know, even the Ruudaurans at the height of their power still didn't just fill this with fortresses, right? They This was yeah. still just natural. Um, you know, this is the... The Great Forest, Mm -hmm. very cool,
2: but also interesting to see this much corruption on Elrond's back door.
0: Yeah, 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 right around. I mean, just exactly, and just as we can see, even with the, uh, um, you know, the Ettenmoors and everything right nearby. Um, Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of very dangerous terrain right around Elrond, and as you say, even not not just danger in the sense of. you know, dangerous things living there, but, um, um, but corruption. Evil things might not enter his Valley, but evil things are definitely, you know, having their way in the areas roundabout as we can see here in the game. Cool. All right. Well, I should probably, we should probably go. It's getting late. Yeah. It's getting Um, late. But, uh, thanks everybody for joining us, uh, here exploring the deepest depths of, uh, uh, North, uh, troll shells, which I don't even remember. Uh, or didn't even remember from my much earlier explorations. Um next week we will meet Eladon and Oro here and uh Yay! think about that. So thanks everybody for joining us and we'll see you guys next week for more Troll Song and more troll shaws afterwards. So thanks <laughs> everybody. Good night.
2: <laughs> Good night everyone.